Hello, and welcome to the Negative World Podcast, the podcast about video games by the Nintendo fans of NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 81, and we're recording this on Thursday, June 18th, 2015. I'm your host, Steven, and with me is my co-host, Joe. Hello, Steven. Hey, Joe. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Welcome back for another night of recording E3 craziness. I love doing it. This is day two of our E3 extravaganza. I like to call it the extravaganza, 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 hence E3. And uh, we have a lot of guests. We have actually more guests than we did last time in the last show, last night. And it won't be the last guests to be on, because we have a whole grouping of uh, great guests tomorrow as well for episode 82. So, Were you able to get uh, Audrey Drake for tomorrow? Uh, unfortunately not. Unfortunately yeah. not. Um, I will keep I trying, thought, though. I really thought you were going to come through on that one. I'll, I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. All right. I mean, I have to get past the restraining order, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's always a tricky thing, but mm-hmm. um, that would be cool, though. She seems like a really cool person, so... They all do. Yeah. I'm, well, yeah, I know. But yes, her especially. But uh, I got. I mean, I I started knowing who she was before uh, she joined the team. Mm-hmm. You know, with IGN. So, um, but the Treehouse folk—they are pretty cool individuals. And these, you know, I also just to make a comment about that. I like how even the de- the developers seem pretty laid back and cool when oh, they yeah. when they come on. You know, whether whether oh, they're yeah. being translated or not, it's it's. It seems like a different atmosphere than, again, Sony and Microsoft and the competition can muster up with their own. But not that they're trying to, anyway. Yeah. It's a different so, feel. You know, it's it's good that you mentioned uh, Audrey Drake and the Treehouse team, though, because I got a chance to watch some of that stuff today from yesterday and even some from today. And I'm already having some different feelings. Like, my answers to the five questions yesterday, they're kind right. of changing already. Isn't it amazing? I've been tweeting about this all day. It's just amazing the effect that that presentation style can have on your opinion of these games. It really can. Absolutely. Well, you, you tell me what, what's been uh, hitting you. Well, it's actually, it's actually really crazy. So first of all, I guess I'll, let me start with the biggest thing. Um, I'm not at a total 180, but I saw them do the uh, uh, playthrough of the... Um, Metroid Prime Federation Force today. I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly one of my two <laughs> points. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I just some of this Treehouse stuff, it makes me think, like, maybe they're just not showing the right footage during some of these reveals of games or something. Because seeing what I saw today from that game, sure, it's not, it's still not what I'm looking for as far as a Metroid game. It's, it doesn't count, so to speak. There's no way you can kind of like repackage this. It's like, no, this is, yeah, this is Metroid. Metroid's here. They should have just called it Federation Force or something. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But in seeing them play it, just, it's so much, it's got so much more going on than I gleaned from the first, what, two or three times I was exposed to the game. I mm. mean... It sounds like there's all these different sort of pseudo classes that you can have. Like some people are more healing and some people are more like capturing or trapping or dealing with the monsters. Um, The environments look a lot more, a lot bigger and more varied. What I thought before was that it was basically just an arena, just like a circular flat arena, just like the one they played blast ball in. Mm -hmm. And you just fight a monster kind of 
space monster hunter style. But here, you know, it's like an actual, it's just, albeit small, but it's an actual map with, you know, varying topography and you move around and you can hide around things and there's like cages you can trap things in. Um, very dynamic. And and then um, the, the last thing I was going to say was that, uh, you know, maybe the problem is just that like, maybe just not having Samus in it or something or, or like actual characters. It, Cause when it's just these kind of, uh, you know, faceless default kind of space Marine things, it, it feels kind of devoid of emotion, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, the gameplay looks good. So yeah, what was your reaction? Well, actually, you know, I didn't see the other part of Federation force that you were mentioning. I, I just watched the blast ball part and I just thought it looked more fun than I gave it, you know, credit for before. So, mm-hmm. um, I still don't know if I would buy it either. So I'm on the same point as you, and uh, we're going to be talking about the game itself with uh, with one of our guests tonight. So I'll go into more in depth uh, thoughts there, perhaps. But mm-hmm. Blast Ball as a concept seems kind of cool, actually, and mm-hmm. um, it's just another cool multiplayer idea from the, you know, from the creative teams. Well, not exactly, but the creative conglomerate that brought you Splatoon and all these other creative games and creative ways to, to play together. So I give Nintendo credit for that, and, and the Treehouse did that for me. Mm-hmm. The Treehouse also pretty much gave me, and this is probably so much hyperbole it hurts, but mm-hmm. right now it doesn't feel like hyperbole, because Super Mario Maker, when I watched them go through a segment yesterday where a couple of the people spent time, pretty much 10 minutes, a little bit more, making a level, and then they had those two dudes from the competition play it. Mm-hmm. They only had 10 minutes to prepare this level, and it still was fun as hell. And the people were having fun, they were dying, they were... I've never like been more pleased, again, hyperbole, I've never been more pleased with something from Nintendo in my entire life. Viewing that today made me so happy from a gamer perspective. I was so filled with creativity and joy watching that segment and just thinking of possibilities that like it trumped everything for a minute. It just seems like such a brilliant game. It's so well polished. Every little detail that's in that. I mean, I don't know how much of, of it you've really watched, but they've thought of pretty much everything within yeah. the limitations of the you know the four different Mario games that they're focusing on. But mm-hmm. I just can't believe it. And it and it seems to work so fluidly. Yep. So between that, between the amiibo, between the box art, I mean, it's just, this might be like the greatest game of all time. <laughs> Ocarina of Time, get out of here. Well, in many ways, they're trying to, I mean, they're they're aiming that high. I yeah. Think, so. And that's great. So, uh, not that I was, you know, down on the game before, but the Treehouse just pretty much made it, uh, I guess, what question was that? That was um, my overall, no, no, the uh, most anticipated game. While I am anticipated for some of the Animal Crossing content, Super Mario Maker has got to be it. Full stop. Cool. So, That said, though, uh, I guess we should move on to our first guest. Uh, he's ready for us, so um, let's just jump in. We've got Chris Wright on the line. Welcome, Chris. Hi, guys. Welcome. Glad to be here. Known awesome. As, known as Chris. You guys know him very well. He's been on the show before. Yeah. I've been on the show a number of times. I guess I started with the old guy. And then uh, when you guys took over, I think this is the third post-E3 podcast in a row now. So my feeling is, since I'm from Texas, that anytime you do something twice, it's a tradition. So I think that pretty much means you're stuck with me from here on out. 
That sounds good. Uh, you're a lock for next year and the year after. Uh, prepare you got your it. thoughts on NX now, please. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just let's I just got get. A list. Yeah, good. Um, and actually, that was that was a topic. I, I don't know if we actually touched upon that yet. Uh, no, we okay. I think there's a little bit of planning to talk about NX, sort of, even though there wasn't much to show this year, but. Uh, just the premise of it, and actually, it's gotten a lot of pull on the boards lately because we're all freaking out of how to process <laughs> what what's happened. Um, but you know, let's uh, let's just jump right in again. You know, everyone's kind of got a specific time slot, so let's not dilly dally. Um, yeah. Let's go with the the five questions which you had a chance to check out, and let's start off with the first one, Chris. Uh, based on E3, what is your most anticipated game? Yeah, it's a kind of interesting year for E3 because there weren't a lot of big new announcements. Uh, the funny thing is, I think my most anticipated game probably is Yoshi's Woolly World. It was looking really good in the trailers. And Steph is really, my wife, Steph is really into that game. So she keeps asking me about it. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of got me hyped up for it, too. So while there are other things like the Star Fox thing I've been anticipating for a long time, Mario Maker, I've really, you know, it's like a dream come true. Honestly, after the E3, I was laying back and I was thinking, yeah, really, it's that Yoshi game is the one I'm most excited to get my hands on. Oh, fantastic. It's uh, it's going to be a good one. It looks better and better with every trailer that comes out for it. Every... I think so. I think last year I was sort of saying that I was afraid it was going to lose its identity a bit because it is similar in a way to what um, to, to what they did with Little Big Planet. Mm. But honestly, I don't think that's going to be an issue looking at it now because it's much brighter and more colorful and it just you know it feels really good so sure it's just weird that we have to wait so long for it right yeah that's a little weird but you know hey you know as they always say it's better to wait for a good polished game than to rush out a game and then have it be broken for life so sure so chris what would you say was your favorite overall nintendo moment from this year's <laughs> e3 the presentation was really kind of underwhelming I, I don't know if everybody's kind of saying that but it it didn't feel like there were a lot of big aha moments and frankly i've gotten to the point where i have so little time for gaming that i just don't care what the other guys are doing anymore you know it's just kind of i watched the nintendo conference and that was it I tried to watch a little bit of the xbox conference with stash and the guys in chat and then the baby started crying and that was it so um as far as so what my it, so really, I guess what I'm saying is I was focused really on Nintendo and there wasn't a lot of new announcements really. So my favorite moment was probably the puppets, you know, it's, <laughs> so said, far that's everybody's thought. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the ridiculous puppets. Oh, it was so silly and it was so like, I don't know, like it's just off their rocker, you know, <laughs> the guys at Nintendo right now. It's like, um, but because they, uh, I, I kind of said they, they said to rate the conference on the boards and my feeling of it really was that like, it was kind of a, a below average or almost a, not a, not a very, it was a fair conference. You know, it wasn't a great Nintendo Direct for reasons uh, that we could get into, but, but as an entertaining package, it was entertaining as hell, you know, P puppets dancing to YouTube video versions of the Mario song. What's not to like? I could watch <laughs> that crap every week, you know, like, so, so yeah. I smell a new, uh, Saturday morning cartoon coming on. Well, I would watch the adventures of Iwata, Reggie, and Miyamoto getting into capers <laughs> every week, man. You know, I love how the puppet Miyamoto is like insane. Yes, like... he was like animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they were the Muppets, he would be animal, and yeah. uh, Iwata would be Kermit, and Reggie would be 
Miss Piggy, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I kind of saw a thing between those puppets. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, Reggie and Iwata, his body was ready. So, yeah. <laughs> so besides uh, the Miss Piggy references were missing, um, what uh, what was the show missing for you most of all? Uh, big new announcements, you know? I mean, it's as simple as that. Now, the thing is, is that I am on board with the Nintendo Direct strategy that Nintendo's adopted. I don't need uh, an E3 to end all E3s. I don't actually, like... Uh, I don't actually think E3 is a holiday for gamers. I would rather have information throughout the year. But at the same time, old habits die hard, you know. And if if you're going to have, if you're going to show up to E3, I kind of expect there to be some big surprise. And really the biggest surprise for me was Paper Jam, you know. And that's, that is a cool announcement and a nice surprise. But when you compare it to the Twilight Princess or something, it's, it ain't up there, you know. So, I think a lot of people were saying that's what they were missing, and honestly, that is what I was missing. And uh, in the last episode of the show, before, well, I guess before 80, um, in 79, I, that's pretty much what I said I wanted was surprises. And while some things were surprising, but I, they weren't exactly surprises like you're saying. And yeah, yeah. I think I think we do expect that. I think Nintendo Directs throughout the year are great. We don't necessarily expect surprises, though. We, we want to, I mean, we like them peppered, I guess, a little bit, but... We care more about getting information from them and elaborating on, you know, stretching out the hype. But yeah. E3 still is a big kind of explosion moment that's supposed to be happening. It I mean, should probably be, you know, while I prefer having surprises throughout the year, the big surprise of the year should probably come at E3. And I'm not sure that that happened this year. Especially, you know I mean? especially because it's you're up against your competitors at E3. While yeah. Nintendo Rex throughout the year, you're not. Yeah. So, but I mean, Nintendo's clearly said that they want to take a different approach to the industry than the other two, and that goes all the way down to the decision to do a direct rather than a, a conference. So, so I don't know, man. You know, maybe this is all part of their fiendish plan. You know, like I don't know, <laughs> but but I do. You know, like I said, I'm willing to accept that the direct is less surprising than the Sony Microsoft strategy. Right. But there still ought to be at least one big surprise there. So. Um, and there really wasn't this time around. So, all right. So, what did you think about the way that Nintendo got their message out this year, and sort of the way they spread it between a couple of different things and kind of paced yeah. the information throughout the week? That's that was also kind of weird because and I, I I guess I love it. You know, it's fine. You know, but the, I love that they still did the treehouse. You know, like. I think that's very successful. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it this year, but last year I just adored it. So, you know, even if it was just as simple as, you know, playing the games with, you know, a couple of guys, I'm, I'm sure it was still pretty exciting. So I do like that strategy, but there were a few things that could have been surprising, like, you know, the mother announcement, you know, that came on Sunday night and it would have been we're talking about surprises even if that had been the surprise at the very end of this show even though it's a 30 year old game or whatever or 25 year old game whatever you know at this point um that would have been a cool surprise you know even for the the conference you know so or for the uh the direct so um i guess it comes down to this on a personal level at the end of e3 i knew the same amount of information i was going to know and i'm you know even though i'm I, I do feel I have certain reservations that we don't need to get into here about where we're, how Nintendo is treating, like, for instance, the Wii U at this period in its life. Um, at the end of the day, the information that we have now is all the information we were going to get. 
So there are certain uh, showmanship uh, things that I think they probably should have done in that direct, and that could have maybe changed the way they disseminated that information. Like, for instance, I think they could have... Uh, uh, I mean, what was the point of releasing Mother so early in the in the week? That could have been a nice little thing for the fans in the direct, and I think more people would have talked about it because there's more focus on the direct. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I brought it up in the last episode last night. Would it have been better if Nintendo had swapped the Metroid Prime Federation game uh, announcement with the Earthbound one? So the Earthbound was in the direct, and then the uh, Metroid one was actually kind of close to when they were showing off that the game anyway that they were playing during the championships and then say, oh, by the way, this is Metroid Prime, blah, 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 you know, and kind of yeah. use those as a pairing as opposed to separating them by a couple days. Yeah, uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I Yes, I think that would have been more effective, but it requires them to be a little bit self-aware about the controversy of that uh, Federation Force game, you know, that I don't know that they maybe are as aware <laughs> that, you know, that's kind of a weird, you know, that fan reaction was going to be so cool on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I were planning it, that's what I would have done. But, uh, you know, I can't really blame them for that. You know, I'm sure they're very proud of a Federation Force, you know, so. Something Which, by the just, way, I think it looked fun, you know, but it's, it is a strange way to take that seriously. Um, just occurred to me as you guys were saying that, do you think that in, in rolling out the Earthbound thing when they did, that they're trying to set this precedence that, like, you have to tune in to our other events because we're going to release important stuff? Like, do you think they're just trying to, you know, prime people for, like, oh, I, I can't miss it next year, you know, because... Yeah, I mean, it could be. It, I mean, it did. It seemed like they're trying to decentralize the release of information. I mean, I think we would all agree that that seems to be their approach with these directs the last couple yeah. of years. So maybe that's a part of it. But yeah. you know, is that? Do I think <laughs> that's going to be more effective? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I I don't know. Probably not because yeah. there's just too damn much attention placed on these, the uh, you know, key yep. of uh, yes yeah, conferences. Yep. And I agree. That's where they're just swimming upstream. So let's get to the fifth and final question with you. What non-Nintendo announcement kind of resonated most with you? Yeah, um, like I said, I'm kind of not paying as much attention now, but it was, so resonate may be a little strong, but it was nice to hear that uh, Square Enix finally got their act together with the, the remake of Final Fantasy VII. I, I know that people are saying, you know, how far along is it really? Is this vaporware already? You know, that kind of thing. But I, you know, that to me was, it's a game that I have a lot of nostalgia for, but I don't have, I don't have super strong feelings about now, but, um, I'm just glad to hear that they're finally going to do it. And I hope we can get a version of that that's sort of modernized and really playable. Okay. So good old Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a remake. <laughs> Well, we know Joe's looking forward to it too. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. it's a great, great game, you know. But, <laughs> but it has some problems, so it'll be nice to see if they can fix those and kind of make it the game that it felt like it was at the time. Would you agree with me on that, Joe? Those polygons are perfect just the way <laughs> they are. You only need one block for an entire arm. That's all. <laughs> that's definitely getting old school, right there. It's funny because some people have mentioned like. Final Fantasy 1 through 6, and then Final Fantasy 8 through what we're at, like, kind of all hold up, because, you know, 1 through 6 was just the 
the 2D sprites. Sure. And it's funny how that actually kind of holds up better to most people than that really awkward first 3D attempt. So, yeah. Well, I always compare that generation to kind of the Atari generation because you know how you go back and play Atari games and they're great, but they're, they're definitely archaic because they're still figuring out how to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of stuff from that generation, and they figured it out by the, I mean, there are obviously a lot of great games that do still hold up, but a lot of that stuff was kind of like that too. And just in the 3D world where they're just trying to figure out hey, how do we even make a game like this? How does that work? <laughs> Yeah. Seven with all of its combination of full motion video and all of that stuff and, you know, things walking around on, on JPEGs and stuff, you know, like I oh, think yeah. that was a, a solution to a problem that was solved other ways later down the road, you know, so. Mm-hmm. All right. So if there's nothing else to say, I guess we can move on you to, got uh, to our main topic. So for, for Chris here, we are going to be uh, talking about two kind of big titles, um, Yoshi's Woolly World and Super Mario Maker, formerly known as Mario Maker. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, Super Mario Maker, since I feel like it. And, um, <laughs> and I mean, Joe and I have peppered our thoughts throughout the show so far. I'm sure this is going to continue to happen. So let's hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, well, you know, I have a lot of deeply yeah. personal feelings about uh, Super Mario Maker, and I honestly feel the only way that I can express those is through, uh, through a beatnik tone poem. So, uh, if you guys could, uh, Joe, you play the bass, right? Oh yeah. 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 Here, and uh, take these bongos, Steven. So, um, here we go. Uh, this is my tone poem uh, for super Mario maker. Rest in peace, Mario maker. Happy birthday, super Mario maker. You are the cat's pajamas. You have a cat's paw on the screen for no discernible reason. I will play you. You are my childhood daydreams from the 1980s come to life, Daddy-O. At least the ones that didn't involve Christy Brinkley. I will design my own Mario levels and share them with my friends. I will overuse the Karubu shoe. I will stack 40 Goombas on top of each other and marvel when there isn't flicker and slow down. Super Mario Maker, I will play you. I delighted your divine, diverting developer interview. Though the crazy cuckoo cosmos wants to know why Tezuka's English translator sounds like a 15-year-old smoker. Who let PokePal in the sound booth that day? We will never, ever have our answer, cats and chicks. This game isn't on the 3DS, it's on the Wii U. I just realized this crazy truth like yesterday. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Empty our pockets and disappear down a pipe and see 
poor underwater Goombas swimming like shrimp Tomorrow is a drag, Pops The future is a flake But in September Thank you so much for playing my game We will make Mario levels Until that sour tasting end, Pops And we will cheat To complete those levels Using our giant amiibos Here we go! I dig that 8-bit Wii Fit trainer. I might actually take my pit amiibo out of the package now. Super Mario Maker, you are making miracles. Super Mario Maker, you are cooking with gas. Super Mario Maker, you are the bee's knees. Super Mario Maker, you are my Christy Brinkley of E3 2015. I will play you. Well, I guess I should have expected that. Yeah, that's that was something. Uh, I don't know what else we can really add. Um, Joe, do you have anything you want to say? Nothing comes to mind, no. I kind of feel like maybe Chris just said it all. <laughs> uh, do you have anything you want to add, Chris? I think my art should speak for itself. Okay. Um, all right, well, then I'm kind of afraid to ask this question at this point, but uh, you also had some thoughts on Yoshi's Woolly World. Do you want to share oh, that? Oh, yes, Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah, 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 man, Yoshi, Yoshi's Woolly World. Um, I think if I'm going to actually express my feelings about Yoshi's world, Woolly World, uh, there's really only one way I can do it. And that's with the beatnik tone poem. Let's go. Yoshi, Yoshi, you young-hearted yokel of yarn, exciting, excellent, egg-laying. I saw the best games of this console generation developed by madness, charming, hysterical, naked, except for shoes and a saddle. Take that, Fifty Shades of Grey. I want to be the one walking pantsless through Yoshi's woolly world. I want to be the one tonguing shy guys and pooping out yarn balls. Where's my woolly world, daddy-o? Why do I wait wearily for October when I thought this thing would be out by last spring? I have heard some ripping yarns. I have seen some epic yarns. I have crocheted with yarn one time with my grandma. Maybe I'll crochet myself a hammock to sleep in and dream of a game that's either easy or challenging depending on how you play it, Jack. Which, let's face it, means it's going to be dead easy. Yoshi, you way out naked dinosaur. You are from Squaresville, man. But you are not from Dullsville, man. You don't care if those hipsters think you're L7. You don't care if those hipsters think you're cool. And that makes you the coolest cat of them all. I dig. You flip my wig. You light my cig. You dance my jig. You newton my fig. You oil my rig. Ha <laughs>
Emi Watanabe, I wish you were my co-worker. I wish you were making yarn Yoshis for me. That's adorable. Just like Poochie when he's made from yarn. Wait, Poochie's in this game? Did we know before E3 that Poochie was in this game? We may have known before E3 that Poochie was in this game. I'm not sure, and my poetic flow is too great to look it up right now. Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshi. I hate losing to you in Mario Kart. It feels like I'm being beaten by a dog. But you have the last laugh. I'll be lining up for your game and that crocheted amiibo. Here's a dolphin sound effect for no reason. Here comes a narwhal. You don't understand my poetry. I don't understand my poetry. So let's take this to space now. Time for space, Yoshi, cats and chicks. Space, Yoshi, time. Yoshi in outer space. Okay, well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Chris. Yeah. Uh, about next E3's podcast, we'll have our guys call your guy, okay? So, um, any other thoughts about E3, Chris? Really, Really, Joe? I, well, you know, I've got a few things to say about Star Fox, but uh, to do it right, I'd really need a mariachi band. Well, you know, I don't. I just ran out of mariachi bands, so. No, no, actually, I got one right here. All right, hombres, let's hit it. Let's go. Por este nuevo juego Star Fox Ojalá que tenía mejores Welcome back to episode 81 of the Negative World Podcast, day two of our E3 coverage and discussion. Uh, Joe and I have a new guest on the show, and it is the Big G753. You know him as Greg. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming. First, welcome. It's been great to have you back. Glad so, to be back. So hopefully, uh, you know, you got to 
enjoy some E3 stuff this week, and hopefully uh, you've you've got some opinions because we want to ask you some questions before we get into some topics. And, All right. Uh, yeah, fire him at me. Okay, so I'll let Joe okay. go first with this one. Question number one. Based on this year's E3, what is your most anticipated game? Now, is this like overall anticipated? Is it, you know, does it have to be, or does it have to be a game at E3? Um, I guess based on the influence of E3, what is your most yes. anticipated game? So, if there's a game that never showed up at E3, but you still, it's your most anticipated, skip that. But anything that E3 could have influenced whatsoever. Uh, yeah, like I'm, um, I'm pretty stoked for uh, Star Fox. Uh, you know, like Mario Kart last year, you know, it's a, a series I haven't played in a while. Um, the last one I really played any significant time of, the last true Star Fox was uh, 64. So I'm glad they're bringing it back. Um, and it's just one of those ones that, you know, seems like the perfect time to get back into it. Uh, and it kind of has, like, the stage to itself this fall as far as, like, the big... Uh, Nintendo mascot game, you know, especially with, you know, Zelda not coming out. So, mm-hmm. um, that was the one, yeah, I kind of didn't know what my expectations were going to be going into AE3 and, um, you know, coming out of it, like, I'm really looking forward to checking it out. So, a quick mention about the Star Fox thing. Uh, if the 64 version was your last one, do you have an appreciation for the, uh, the art style? Cause I think that they're kind of trying to make like an HD version of that as opposed to going full textures and lighting and craziness you know they're kind of paying homage to it right yeah and i think you know we kind of saw that with the um you know the ocarina of time remake on 3ds you know it didn't you know it kept that you know kind of the look and feel of the original but it made it look nice you know cleaner and um you know touched up quite a bit and there was that um like the perfect dark xbla game kind of had that same style where it wasn't like a full-blown remaster um, they just really cleaned it up and kind of came, you know, gave you that look that you remember the original looking like. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm seeing with the new Star Fox as well. Um, you know, it's not going to win any awards by, um, you know, its graphics or anything, but, you know, I think it looks fine. I think it has a really nice, clean, smooth look to it. Um, yeah, I think they pretty much nailed what you'd be, you know, looking for, uh, visually. Sure. All right, well then, question number two we have here is, what is your favorite overall Nintendo moment of E3? Ooh, um, I would say the Nintendo World Championship. Um, from what little I watched of it, I caught, uh, you know, most of the finals there, and, you know, those Super Mario Maker stages were just mind-blowing. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it, you know, it, you know, for one thing, it showed off, you know, just how talented those guys were at platforming that, you know, a level I'm never going to be able to come close to. Um, you know, that was, that was cool. It was a nice moment, you know, with, you know, Miyamoto, uh, being out there with them with the, you know, the signed three yeses. I thought that was really cool. Um, so it was just a, you know, a nice, you know, celebration of all things Nintendo. And it also really, you know, hammered home, uh, you know, how much potential Mario Maker has. Sure. You know, and one quick comment. I, I haven't been able to, to check out pretty much most of that competition but i want to go back and watch it all but uh i kind of appreciate and by kind i mean i really do appreciate that nintendo can even do that none Mm -hmm. of its competitors have enough under their belt to be able to pull off something that great and have that much of an impact i think 
And there's just so many of those Mario games over the years that, you know, everybody has a high level of appreciation for, you know, whether it is the original or three or world or so on. Mm -hmm. So it is absolutely a Nintendo kind of a trademark move by them with that, uh, with all that. So, uh, and they should stick to it. I think, I think that's something they should bring back every year too. (laughs) I'd watch it. It'd be interesting. So, of the things that you didn't get to see, what was what was the show really missing for you? What were you hoping to see that just didn't happen? Well, I'm not going to say Zelda because they said you know beforehand it wasn't going to be there, so I wasn't expecting it. You listened. Um, yeah, I listened. I, there, <laughs> there were there were people in the chat that were convinced that they were going to see a trailer, and I just didn't believe it. I you know, you know I just the tone of their announcement of it was you know they're not ready to show anything new I, and we wouldn't really get anything out of seeing you know link riding through a field again right. um but you know one thing that kind of was missing was you know a taste at what is coming you know beyond you know the next you know 6 to 8 months um sure. you know they weren't going to mention NX obviously but you know, I was hoping for maybe a little more of a peek you know what might be coming mm-hmm. uh you know later next year but you know I think the lineup you know, as far as, uh, you know, what they're doing this fall is, is good. I think it's a solid lineup. Uh, I thought they maybe could have highlighted, you know, other games like Fatal Frame and Devil's Third, maybe a little more during the conference itself or during the, uh, the direct itself, but. Uh, we had like a, um, release date confirmation for Devil's Third, didn't we? Like, but outside of the shows? Yeah. And, you know, they had a new trailer for Fatal Frame and that was kind of, we kind of snuck under the radar there. Yeah, so, I didn't know um, we did. I gotta look that up. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty psyched for that game. So, um, yeah, I would just say you know a peek ahead, you know more big picture. You know they didn't have to really say a whole lot or show a little hot show show a whole lot, just maybe a little bit. But um, sure, they focused a little too much on you know games like Yoshi, uh, you know that we've seen you know in Xenoblade that we've seen for years now. Well, this is the first we saw of it this week, so keep that perspective. That's true. All right. <laughs> um, you know, what you're saying kind of leads into question four, and I think that maybe that's by an unintentional design, I guess, at this point, but uh, how did you feel about Nintendo's dissemination of the information this year overall between, you know, having the competition and having the different directs and then also, you know, everything that was inside the directs and also what they chose to show off in those directs, including, you know, games we already knew about. Just the overall package. How do you think they did? I think they did all right. And I, you know, I felt this way the last couple of years because it keeps, you know, it keeps them, um, you know, in the, you know, in the forefront for more than just one day, you know, more than just the, the conference. Um, where I think it kind of hurts them a little bit is that the E3 direct kind of loses some of its, you know, luster you know, is standing out as maybe, you know, more of a special event. You know, I felt last year they really nailed the direct as being, you know, with that Zelda debut, um, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, primary event than, you know, the directs they do throughout the year. And I think this year they spread things out so much across all the different directs and then through this week that, you know, the, the specific E3 direct didn't come across as, you know, more special, I guess, would be the way to put it. It didn't come across as like a bigger deal. 
and I think you know it's where you know where the media and the general media and um, you know fans look at it. A lot of their attention goes toward you know the big presentations, and I think that might be where some of the backlash is coming from. Because uh, I think overall they they've shared a lot of good information this week and throughout the year, um, but because it's not all you know hit all at once like you know maybe Sony did, it doesn't you know come across as as you know big of a deal. Right. So, uh, what non-Nintendo announcement was stuck out the most to you? Well, it was clearly uh, you know EA bringing Pele out for about twenty oh minutes to to talk about the beautiful game. Pele, <laughs> I what missed more that. Could you want? Hmm. Uh, no. Um. I I would say the the uh, the moment that resonated with me the most would be um, and it comes with a lot of uh qualifiers and caveats but you know sony opening their show with the last guardian uh-huh. uh it was just good you know kind of cathartic to just get that out of the way so that you know the speculation that every big show you know is this going to be the one where the last guardian finally shows up um you know just to kind of you know end the circus surrounding that game um even if it is inexcusable that it's taken this long and you know, Sony's lack of transparency with that game is, you know, borderline misleading, but it was good to see that game, you know, as I remember it, um, and know that, yeah, it is finally going to come out. So mm-hmm. I've got to look more into that game because believe it or not, I'm kind of oblivious to why people know so much about it. Like, I guess it's been on the show floor or discussed anyway, um, years ago. And it was supposed to be for PS3, and now obviously it's coming back for PS4. But I've only picked that up in the past couple of days, so yeah. I've, I've been under a rock. I, I was still in college when that got announced, and oh, crap. Wow. <laughs> and um, you know, a lot of people really like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. I like both those games too. Yeah, I kind of felt both were kind of great, but you know, they both had flaws to them. And I was always looking forward to the Last Guardian because it kind of looked like it would be combining the strengths of both of those games and you know his and you know his games have that very unique style and i think that's why uh people have been looking forward to that so much because there just aren't that many games that you know that have that sort of look and feel and you know it's just been agonizing to see it dis- you know disappear for four or five years like that yeah It'd well, be it'd be like if Nintendo didn't say anything about Zelda for like four years, and then they're like, "Hey, it's coming to the next system." <laughs> can you imagine the lunacy behind a move like that? Like if they pulled a Metroid with Zelda right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you... and and you know that was the probably the worst part about it, and probably the least forgivable part is that Sony would just not really acknowledge that you know it was ever you know being worked on and being moved you know over to the PS4. So. And this is a Sony published game or uh, developed game. Yep. Okay. So that's why they didn't have as much, con- or they had more control than normal over just talking about it and everything, because there's no outside teams working on it. Exactly. Hmm. That's nuts. Okay. Well, uh, that's something I'll have to look into, though, uh, for sure. So let's talk. Let's let's bring it back to Nintendo. And of all the topics, you know, you 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 put in a lot of interest in a lot of different topics, but. The two we're going to talk about today are the NX, which literally wasn't part of a show, but there's, I think there's some things to discuss there still, and then also Metroid Prime Federation Force. So let's start with that first. 
since it was the game that was actually shown, and then we'll get into the NX stuff. Uh, I guess we can start with hearing your thoughts um, overall with you know the, the the reveal, the gameplay you saw, and just any other things that uh, are in your head. Well, I mean, we got what we wanted. Metroid's back. <laughs> you know, in the uh, in the E3 yeah. thread that we do the kind of the guessing game, I definitely had Metroid in there. A new Metroid game, I had Metroid as my bonus, and I'm glad I'm going to get the points for that, but I'm not glad for the reason I'm going to get the points for that. Yeah, uh, I'm totally with you. I, that was my bonus pick, You're the Metroid, and uh, I was <laughs> very disappointed to get that right in the way that I got it right. <laughs> uh now, and how'd, that's, you, how'd you react to that? So that's the very that's the interesting thing about it because um, you know I had the chat up, uh, and there were about a dozen of us in there, um, and I was watching the giant bomb stream, you know, the E3 direct, which was about two minutes behind. So you know I'm kind of trying to pay attention to what's going on with the Nintendo show, and I'm seeing, you know, you know jargon and everybody chatting over on the right, and I believe it was. <laughs> Dillo, who was getting very animated. Uh, oh, I haven't heard of him in a while. He, he was getting very animated, I'm, and I'm looking over there, and I, I forget what game they were talking about, but I start seeing you know Metroid popping up, and then, my God, no, my God, no, no. <laughs> so you and thought I, Other M2 was coming out? I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like At that point, I just started paying attention to what's going on. I'm like, all right, I need to see what this is going to be. Um, so then you know, it comes up, and you know we'd heard about... Uh, you know, that game potentially being leaked or I guess not really leaked, but kind of, you know, subtly announced, you know, the day before. I think people um, picked up, too, that it had similarities to Metroid Prime when they yep. were watching it, you know. Oh, the inter- I mean, the interface was almost exactly Metroid Prime. So that didn't surprise me a whole lot. But like at that very moment, I'm like, OK, you know, this seems like it could be all right. But like at that moment, I'm thinking, all right, this is not how they're gonna bring Metroid back after a five year, you know, absence. Like at that point, I'm like, there's gonna be something later in the show. They're not just gonna, mm-hmm. you know, they're not just gonna bring Metroid back in this way. And so at that moment, I wasn't upset as some other people were. But like once that show closed, I'm thinking back on it. And I'm like, you know, how did they not know at Nintendo that that wasn't gonna go over very well? Yeah, how many and, hours were you sitting at the computer just kind of? waiting after the stream was done and <laughs> it's kind of like looking at your watch and saying okay when's it gonna show up <laughs> i think a lot of people were were doing that and drools coming out of their mouth just not because they're salivating from excitement but because their mouth has been open for so long that it's just it's all coming out yeah it, it was it was very hard to believe because you know if you had told me before you know before e3 that there was going to be a new metroid and it would be for 3ds which I thought was more likely to begin with than a Wii U game. Uh, you know, I would have thought it would be, you know, a fusion, you know, a fusion style Metroid. Right. Uh, I never would have imagined they'd go to more of a hunter style. Uh, so yeah, when they showed that, it just looked like, okay, this is kind of a, you know, it kind of seemed like a quickly thrown together game. They're trying to, you know, get something out there, uh, you know, fill in the releases a bit. I didn't think they'd go through the rest of the show without announcing a proper Metroid, which that was probably the most disappointing part about it. Not so much the game. It could come out and be all right. Like, and that's kind of unfortunate for the developer because, you know, they're getting a bad rap already. And there's a survey or not a survey, a petition on change.org right now to cancel the game. 
Right. Because some asshole thinks he's funny. And, like, no no game is so bad that you need to worry about change.org. <laughs> you know, there's other things in life to worry about. Right. Uh, yeah. But but you're absolutely right. There's going to be a totally bad backlash. There already is. And I think, um, I mean, maybe this is where you're, you're going with this, but looking at it separately, and I think that's the key to the, enjoying this entire E3 with Nintendo, is looking at the parts separately from each other, you can see and appreciate the nuances and, and what makes these games potentially fun and, and interesting, but the way they were revealed or the way that they're linked into certain franchises when we had other expectations for said franchises, uh, you know, it comes off as trolling. Right, and and nobody wants a game to be bad. Or, no, uh, right. Nobody should want a game to be bad, so at this Except point... for Mel like, Brooks, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, we're getting this Metroid game, and, you know, you know the developer behind it, you know, they've made good games, so... You know, cross your fingers, you know, hopefully it'll come out and be fun. I mean, there's nothing more you can really ask for from that, right? Right. Well, can, uh, you know, maybe Joe, you can help too, because I know you know more than I do, but can you guys reiterate again what make, like, what are the two pieces of this game? Because Federation Force is the blast ball component, which I did watch some of the Treehouse stuff with it, and I mentioned to Joe before uh, before we got to, uh, to you, Greg, um, on this episode that the treehouse actually kind of made me appreciate the idea more. It seems like it's actually more fun than I was giving it credit for, but I'm still not sold on actually picking it up or anything. But what's the other component exactly? Is it is it actually like a single player type campaign, or is it still multiplayer stuff? Take it away, Joe. I think you oh, I think you more sure. I think you know more than I do about it. Okay, no problem. Well, I mean, I don't know everything, but uh, from what I can gather, it kind of looks like. Okay, so my initial impression was that it was you and, you know, three friends and you are kind of up against some, you know, big monster that kind of looks Metroid-ish. Uh, you know, if you think back to some of the, like, organic-looking creatures from some of the Metroid Prime games, you know, something like that. And you're just kind of there and it's, you know, you and your friends and you're trying to take down this this big baddie. Um, and, you know, what I my first impression was that it was just basically like the same arena that you had for blast ball, just like a big flat empty circle. And, you know, you just kind of are there shooting at it, you know, just kind of hammering on the B button and just kind of, I don't know, wasting your time basically. But, um, but what it looks like actually is that there's a lot more strategy and complexity involved. So like there are different kind of, quasi classes like different people can assume different roles um you know some people can be healers and some people can help strategically you know bring down the monster or whatever uh but it's also not just limited to like a big you know brute uh creature that's like trying to punch you like what, what i saw today was um you know there were some missions where like these kind of spaceships are coming in through these kind of portals in the sky and you're aiming you know upwards and shooting at them and they're attacking you from the sky and stuff. So there's there seems to be a lot of diversity in the different in the different ways that you kind of battle things and I mean who knows how how much further it goes. But um yeah, but so that seems to be the general premise. It's still you and your pals with some short term objective. Like there's no there doesn't seem to be any exploration. I don't know if you can like level up characters and, you know, progress in that way from battle to battle. So it still kind of looks like it's just you and your friends go into a battle and it's you versus them. But 
Um, but that's what I can see so far, and it, it looks a lot more complex than, than I originally thought. Yeah, so there's uh, there's potential here. and I think There's a little potential. And I think we need to know more and see more before we jump down its throat and I mean it doesn't it doesn't soften or I yeah it doesn't really make the blow of no true metroid any better um I mean this might tie into the next topic but Greg I mean do you feel that this is pretty much a flat out omission that metroid prime probably from retro is being moved to NX or that they're not going to worry about another metroid at all to the NX I would imagine that, yeah, if they are if they are making a Metroid Prime, and you know, we saw, um, you know, Tanabe was on, um, he was being interviewed somewhere, and he talked about, well, you know, if we were to make a Metroid, another Metroid Prime game, you know, this is what we would do, and uh, he probably wouldn't talk about it if they weren't at least thinking about doing it. So I think, and he even implied that if they were to do it, it would at this point it would be an NX game, so. Uh, that is probably the the most likely outcome at this point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I which don't is know. sad, but I guess you know what it comes down to. So it seems like even after a day or so, people are people are coming to terms with like, okay, you know, it's not what we were looking for. But if you just look at the game itself, because really the game itself is not that much different from the Triforce Heroes game that people are rather, you know, okay with, too excited about. You know, it seems like the exact same concept, but just in a Metroid Prime kind of version. So, you know, the game itself aside, is the, is, is the problem just that, like, like this fear that, um, that this is what Nintendo thinks of Metroid these days, that, like, they'll just, they just will do this kind of, like, throwaway side project and like that their efforts were wasted that could have gone towards an actual Metroid game like is that what it is or or what or even just for you Greg well, I think part of it is you know if you look at um you know with the uh, Zelda you know mm-hmm. you know we had just got you know a link between worlds a couple years ago which was fantastic uh, yes. so I think you know people are more accepting of that whereas That's you know it's it's been a really long time since Metroid and you know other M kind of got a mixed reception. I think it's a pretty good game. I don't think it's great, but you know I don't think it's the disaster that some people think it is, but mm-hmm. you know it's really been a long time since, you know, the much revered Prime games, you know, 8 years, you know, now. Right. So I think it's more about like all right, we've gotten, you know, a 3D Mario game um on the Wii U and 3DS, you know, we've gotten you know, a great Zelda game on 3DS and we got one coming for the Wii U and it's just a matter of, okay, you know, when is Metroid coming back? So, um, and I think that makes, you know, you know, Federation Force kind of, uh, you know, the, the pariah by extension because sure it just, that game really shouldn't be on this stage, I guess. You know, like that's a game that you would think would be more appropriate to debut at. You know, at a Nintendo Direct in the middle of March or something, like on the biggest stage of the year for Nintendo, like that's just not the game you would. Sh- I would think they would want to showcase. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, it's good. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean that's 
you, you can't hope for anything more. Even I just I just feel like I need to see. It would have gone so much further if they just had Samus in this game somehow. Like if she was like giving the orders to this federation, you know, to this squad. Like if she was in Ooh. charge or something. What if you know? she was like the announcer and you were playing as babies and she's like, "Oh, the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby." <laughs> as uh, no, I, I, I think if um, oh, you were saying something. I was just gonna say I honestly feel the opposite. Okay. Even I, I think that adding Samus wouldn't make the name thing any better. I feel they should have just left it as some other kind of sci-fi uh, entity and property. And having Samus in there only would just kind of bastardize her character even more. Because, I mean, I kind of want to keep her her story's canon within the series or as part of that. I don't want her to become the Mario Tennis uh, <laughs> kind of character. And Mario works in that way, but I don't think Samus does. And so... Yeah, uh, I'm I'm totally happy with that out of there. I just I, I feel like it's literally just the logo. I mean, even the the yeah. the, the characters that I've seen so far don't even look that much to me like uh, well, actual bounty hunters or something. They've messed with the art style a little bit, which is why some people were calling it like Pixar and stuff like that because they kind of they kind of exaggerated the proportions a little bit and made them. Yeah. more cartoony, not really in this real, you know, realistic style that the Prime games, really that all Metroid games have tried to be in somewhat. Mm-hmm. And, and what I was going to say is really, uh, you know, if they do have a Metroid in development, whether it's, you know, a Sakamoto, you know, 2D game or whether, you know, it's Retro or whoever doing another Prime game, you know, all they really had to do was have Reggie or Miyamoto or whoever in the direct just say like, oh, by the way, we're also working on a metroid we're not ready to show it but you know rest assured you know we are working on one like that's really all they had to do uh so it really came across with like i think the perception was that you know nintendo didn't really get you know how you know much anticipation there is for a new metroid and i think i think that is a valid criticism of their show was absolutely the way they debuted that game well, they must have been off the internet for a while because people have been talking about New Metroid since the Wii U came out. People, I mean, there were people who were upset about Tropical Freeze, which I think is ridiculous, but... I was sort of one of them. I mean, I wasn't upset about the game, but I was upset that the next one was a sequel to a game that they just worked on instead of a New Metroid. I wanted them to stagger it. And when they came out with Tropical Freeze and that finished, I was certain that they were working on a New Metroid. And that could be the case still. It could be, yep. But... Uh, it seems like instead of having it be a late, you know, a late in the lifetime showcase piece, they want to move it, if anything. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. People, there were some people that were just outraged about Tropical Freeze. Like, I mean, did people forget that Donkey Kong Country Returns was like one of the best Wii games? Like, that was a better Wii game than Corruption, in my opinion. So, fighting words. Shots fired. The the best Retro Studios game. On the Wii. And then Tropical Freeze had, uh, you know, the great music of uh, David Wise, and it was, so, I mean, it was so great in so many ways, you know, as, as an overall package, so that is kind of crazy that, like, do you think people still hold that view, or do you think that that was just a, at the time, kind of gut reaction? I think people will hold that view until, you know, Nintendo delivers and has retro do either a Metroid or, you know, a new IP, you know, something different. I think until they see Retro working on something else and not becoming, you know, the Donkey Kong factory, you know, that some people have that <laughs> perception. That sounds like a um, game. 
Which is, you know, again, it's unfortunate because, you know, you got another great game that's kind of become the pariah for something that's not even related to that. Right. You know, I, I admit that I would be kind of bummed if I found out that Retro was working on something new that wasn't, you know, Metroid. Because I just really want, I mean, I, I still, ever since we entered the, the HD era with Nintendo, I've wanted to see the HD version of all of my favorite great-looking games. We're mm-hmm. getting a HD Xenoblade. Uh, we're eventually getting an HD Zelda. And I want to see an H- HD Mario. So I want to see a Mario Galaxy still. You know, maybe that's going to be waiting as well. But I would like to, or maybe they've just given up on that kind of thing and they're going to do something new. But, and I really want to see a Metroid that's HD. I think Metroid Prime, the series, looks so damn impressive and the gameplay is so fun that having almost the same gameplay with maybe some new tweaks and then having a world that rich and in, in, in crisp HD would be an, a clear system seller. I can't believe it wasn't planned from the beginning, to be honest. And uh, so once that's done, I would want Retro to absolutely work on something new. No Metroid, no Donkey Kong, something brand new. But yep, uh, I need to get my fix. I'm like a junkie. Just one more, one more time. Their their art is so good at retro, right? Like, and all of Nintendo's art, you know, has you know, HD is done so well for their games. Like I can't imagine a Mario game looking better than 3D World does, and Zelda just looks fantastic. So yeah, I, I agree. I think a new Metroid. Uh, whether it's on the Wii U or whether it's on the next system would be just the visual showcase for Nintendo. Well, you know, let's uh, in in what we, what time we have left, let's switch over to the next system a little bit. Um, the only thing we really can say about the NX is the fact that it was interesting to me that right after the whole transformation motif and the explanation of Star Fox Zero, Reggie decided to say something about the NX, and he pr- pretty much says one sentence where it's, we're not going to talk about it until next year. And then he continues on to the rest of the games, which all together, and especially after saying that, kind of seemed like, hey, here's games you know about and stuff you probably don't care too much about. And it, it really implied to me that all the heavy hitters are now being reserved for a strong you know, year one of the NX, whatever yep. that may be. And that solidifies, too, that the NX is probably a, you know, it's more a uh, first pillar as it is, you know, more than a third pillar. Um, maybe it is a first and second pillar. Maybe it's combining, you know, the consoles and handhelds like people speculate, but whatever it is, I guess they're really pushing to, to have a, a big launch. It has to be. Otherwise they're, they've failed horribly. I will look back on this with so much more disdain if they don't actually have that narrative to be true in the end. Yeah. And you know, you know, Reggie had the one sentence in there about the NX, but really, you know, if you know, look at it from a big picture, you know, you kind of look at the show and see, you know, the shadow being cast by the NX over everything in a way. Uh, you know, so in some ways you can look at the show as not being about the NX at all. In some way you can look at it as being, you know, all about, you know, what's next for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were, Reggie was hammering home the point that, yeah, this is about transformation. And I think that's what, you know, the point I got, a, the point I got from the show is that, you know, look, I think they're going into a, total transition phase at this point i think that was uh was very indicative that. you know a lot of because there were no there were a lot of games that we had known about and most of the big announcements that we saw like the games that we didn't know about you know the new zelda co-op you know federation force uh you know they, they weren't you know big budget you know big ambitious titles right. they looked 
they look like those stopgap games that you would, you know, be getting out there because, you know, the original release lineup was barren. Well, hell, I mean, not to stop your thought, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you look at the list, most of them are reused assets. Triforce exactly. Heroes, Hyrule Warriors, 3DS, Metroid Prime Federation, um, Xenoblade Chronicles, not exactly, that's not even Nintendo, but uh, Animal Crossing, both versions, um, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, that is two games worth of used assets. And, Mario and Mario, Mario Maker, of and course. And Mario Maker, right. So that's an interesting point I didn't consider before. And, and even Star Fox, if you remember last year, you know they didn't even have a developer uh, you know, at last year's E3, and you know they've gotten platinum on it. But if you look at the game, you can tell it's not you know a high budget Nintendo title, which is fine. I think there should be more games that don't you know need to sell 10 million copies to profit. Mm-hmm. So I I don't have a problem with that. But if you look at it, like they're not going you know heavy with the huge budget titles like like a Metroid, like a new 3D Mario, and I think. And even on the 3DS, it was even more barren than the Wii U. So it just, it just has that feeling of things are winding down for these two platforms. And I mean, with Nintendo, you can never assume they could come out next year with like a 2010 and have all these games that we had no idea were coming. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. But it just seems like this is them transitioning on to what is next. Um, and they've been very careful about not saying the word console or saying the word handheld. Right. You know, when talking about NX, they've been calling it a platform. And I do believe, and, you know, we'll find out whether this is going to be the case or not, but I do feel like the NX is going to be the successor to the 3DS and the Wii U. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I'll let Joe go first. <laughs> That would be my dream come true. That would I see I I don't know if it's true though. It seems logical and it seems like it seems like the conclusion that everyone is sort of arriving at. I don't know how much that's just groupthink and you know one person says it and it sounds good and we don't know what else that they might be doing. Um but it it just does seem to make sense for a lot of reasons because you know first of all it's like Nintendo, they clearly seem to be the last company left in the dedicated handheld space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I don't think Sony wants to be there anymore. And they were oh, the, they're you know, done. The they're done after the Vita, right? I mean they they just they just dropped that. Sega will surprise us all soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like they probably think that they can still carve out a home there, and I I think so too. I mean, because just for me. You know, smartphones, you can do a lot. There's a lot of great mobile games. I mean, you know, depends on, on how you define that, that word. But, um, I still, I still want buttons and I still want like a really rich, deep experience that I can be able to take with me. So, and I, so I hope Nintendo is still trying to satisfy that customer. That said, they really, I think it's the point where they're, you know they're really splitting their their resources doing two platforms. I yep. think one of the other people we talked to already, uh, one of our other guests was was saying how you know imagine if all of these games, if you could buy one system and then suddenly your library is as big as what is currently the Wii U and 3DS combined, right? Now what kind of a value proposition is that? And for Nintendo, they also have 
two customer bases that can now feed off any game they make. You know, if if a handheld dedicated person sees a, a, a Wii and a, or a Nintendo NX game that's more of a home console one, depending on how it even works, I mean, I don't even know. But say they, they it could work for that. Well, they already own the console, so there's no barrier of entry. They just buy the game if they kind of decide, okay, I do want to play that. And I, you know, and I have a 3DS, and I, but I only really play it when I'm traveling. Like when I'm at home, I'd rather play on the TV. So you know, if if the system in it, whether it's one piece of hardware, whether it's you know one platform that's you know one ecosystem that's shared across different form factors, uh, that would be you know a positive you know for me and I think for most people to have that choice of do they want to play these games at home? Do they want to play them on the on the road? Um, but the one connecting theme is all Nintendo games in one spot. Yep. That would be amazing. You know, one last comment here uh, to what you were saying, Joe, about the phone thing. I do not believe Nintendo would ever dedicate themselves to that platform over any other handheld because my, my phone, I have a Samsung phone. It's very nice. It's about a year old, but it's rel- you know, it's one of the newer ones and it uh for all the bells and whistles in it, it still has lag. It still doesn't work like I want it to. It shares its space and processing power with the internet, with my music, videos, uh, uh, you know, all the apps and everything. And it's got limited storage, right? So Nintendo's gonna have to try to develop games that'll work on all the different various phones and everything. They would never do that. They would, if anything, they want something that can replace that still because that's their strength, and people will buy that device. I don't believe for one second that people will have their phone and that's all they want. The casual folk, not to use the term willy-nilly, but people who weren't into gaming in the first place, maybe they still will just keep, stick with their phone, but that's why Nintendo is dabbling in that in that yep. world as a fishing line to hook them into their world. Right. But they're not gonna, they'll never get rid of that, and I, I don't want them to either. If they combine the two worlds of console and handheld, that could be a good thing. You know, I want to see the design of the of the hardware, really before I make that full determination, but yeah, they would never go to just cell phones or something like people have speculated and uh, I would never want them to. It's yeah. another revenue stream for them. Right. I mean, they're getting with the times a little bit in that sense. Especially in Japan, like look at Konami. So I think they're not going to shift focus over to mobile, but I think people worried about it. I think and, very and overblown. And certain games like Pokemon Shuffle, that would be a good game for mobile, you know, because of, of the nature of it. But uh, then they're going to have ads or links to, you know, Pokemon, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the new one? That Super Mystery Dungeon? Yeah, you know, stuff like that. That's not going to be on that. It's going to be on the Nintendo platform, so. Yeah. It's good business for Nintendo. Absolutely. So, I guess my final thought here, uh, we, we do have to uh, close this out as we have another guest lined up here. But uh, my, my last thought is that, I think, it, do you think it's going to be called Nintendo Next? Is that what the codename means? They're going to call the next system the next. Then you say, hey, what's next with Nintendo? Oh, might as well tell you. Or am I just I making this up? I don't know. I, you know, I kind of like the ideas somebody made on the forum about the X being like a cross. Yeah. You know, being that it is a cross between, you know, those two dedicated platforms that they've had before. So I have no so idea Nintendo what they're going to call. I, I, I didn't think they'd call, you know, the Wii U the Wii U. So I was right. just going to say all bets are off as yep. of as of that system but so i had too much logic for it to even make sense yep i was being too literal it could be no i i I can't imagine they would do that though i think they would they would pull a wii u before they would pull a next 
<laughs> but alas, we have our next guest to get to. So, uh, do you have any final thoughts, Greg? Uh, I would just say that I thought the show was maybe a little underwhelming, but I think the lineup for this fall is good, um, even if it didn't get across in the direct. So, I'm not that disappointed or upset. I think uh, there's a lot to look forward to. I'm very glad to hear that, buddy. Cool. So, thanks again for joining us on the show, and we'll have to get you on a full episode very soon. Definitely. And, uh, this is, you know, I kind of selfishly want to use everyone who's been on the show and will be on the E3 shows as a means to, like, hey, you remember us. How would you come <laughs> on for a full episode? It'll be great. You know, so, um, so, but again, thank you for giving us your time, and uh, we'll catch you on the boys, pal. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Talk later. Later. Bye. back with our third guest of the night. It's my buddy, Game Dad Grant. Good evening, Governor. Good evening. GDG? G- GDG. We talked about that chat. over the weekend, Joe. I was talking about how uh, I accidentally call people from the boards uh, by their username, even when I'm talking to them direct. Right. Because you know, Paul and Plute, you know, very similar. But yeah. Grant, I never make that mistake because it's, it's longer to say Game Dad Grant than it is to say Grant. And then he brought up the point that you always go GDG. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, well, damn it. I got to start going GDG. It's just fun. Or maybe I can mix it together with that stupid amiibo thing I was dealing with and go GDG or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe yeah, not. Do that in public from now on. <laughs> yeah, I'll shake your hand in the middle of Detroit. What's going on? GDG. <laughs> That'll be confusing as hell. Um, <laughs> if I knew that how to spell... Huge trouble or scare away everybody else. <laughs> if I knew how to spell whatever the hell that noise was, I would probably make that the threat or the uh, podcast title. But I don't know <laughs> how to do that phonetically. Um, anyway, well, let's jump in. We have uh, our, you know, the races are off as far as the segments going. So welcome again. I uh, really appreciate it. I think I mentioned on the show already. Oh yeah, because you were you technically were in last night's episode because of our ten minute discussion that I'm going to edit in there. Uh, from Sunday, but again, it was really cool hanging out with you on Sunday with uh, Bearded Nerd and Plute, and um, you know we we hung out and played Smash and talked about Smash in that segment. So now we have a different focus for you today. But first, let's start with the five questions. And the first question of those five is: Based on E3, what is your most anticipated game? Most anticipated game right now is Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. All right. Ooh. I like the music you're uh, you're putting on there. I love Paper Jam isn't about music, but uh, <laughs> give us a quick explanation of why. Um, it, because mostly it was just totally unexpected. We have two Mario RPG. Uh, I don't necessarily call them spinoffs, but you know, kind of their own sub series and being crossed over with each other. Who saw that coming? That's that's pretty sweet. And it's being made by Alpha Dream, which is uh, one of my favorite developers. Were they the ones who did the last Mario and Luigi? They did. Okay, that's right. 
Um, it was kind of a trippy thing. It, it is funny to see Nintendo having these parallel worlds throughout the last couple generations because they did accept them as different two parallel Mario RPG series, you know? Right. And then I never expected them to actually come to a head. That was quite a surprise. Total crossover. Complete fever dream we're going on here. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Joe, what's the second question for Grant? Second question is, what was your favorite Nintendo moment of this year's E3? Uh, I think, well, I don't know if this necessarily counts as a Nintendo moment, but um, I, I literally laughed out loud during the very first uh, introduction of the uh, you know Nintendo CEOs in the uh, in the you know digital event. Mm-hmm. You know, Awada, you know, puppet Awada goes down the hall, knocks on Reggie's door, and Reggie's counting out Nintendo sixty two. <laughs> Nintendo 63, Nintendo 64. He's doing push-ups on, for some reason, on, on a on a weight bench. Yeah. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, my puppet body is ready. I, it had nothing to do with the games. It really just a very small part of the segment, of the introduction of the segment, honestly. And uh, that that just made me laugh out loud. It, what stuck with me the most. It did start the show off with a very lighthearted, happy tone. You know. Yeah, it was it was cool. I like that they continue to think outside the box as well. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, if that's your overall favorite Nintendo moment, and we know what your most anticipated game is, what was the show missing for you? You know what? Um, it's kind of the same thing everyone else has kind of already mentioned on uh, you know on the boards and even some of the other several podcasts that I listen to as well. Um, you know, Nintendo has this history of saying. Well, you've been, we've showed you all these games. We've shown you what's coming up, but here's one last surprise. And then they drop the bomb on us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they kind of didn't do that. They had this weird, like, Mario cosplay contest, uh, <laughs> you know, celebration of Mario, which, you know, it's the anniversary and that's all well and good. But the presentation did kind of lack that, that extra punch right at the end, which I think kind of soured. The, uh, the overall digital event for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, although, honestly, looking back, I mean, there's so many games that are coming out this year and early next year, um, arguably more than any other you know company out there. Sure. But the fact that they didn't have that one last punch right at the end was kind of kind of a letdown a little bit. It had a bit of an air of the Nintendo Land syndrome. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Like it was cool in its own right, but yeah, it's. You know, whether we take it for granted or not, I mean, that's just what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You got to punch us in the gut. So we rub our stomachs and we go, oh, that hurts so good. <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> otherwise we just oh hurt. Oh my God, Pokemon MMO. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a few years away, Joe. Just keep oh, saying okay. that. All right. Yep. That, speaking of fever dream. <laughs> yep. So... <clears throat> Um, what would you say your reaction was to how they disseminated their information during this, during this event, how they, you know, got the news to you, how they paced it, uh, across the week, right? Yeah. Yeah, The pacing was, the pacing was fine. Um, I just think the order maybe had been mixed up a little bit. I mean, they had lots of stuff. They had these weird, you know, Nintendo transitions They had you know, very like wink to the uh the fans type of stuff with you know puppet Owada holding the bananas and then they're cutting to the next you know game reveal and da 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 mm-hmm. um i'm thinking maybe if they switched around some of the uh things that they did like instead of ending with the uh, you know celebration of mario and this is during their anniversary and you know send in all your videos and 
music and, you know, photos and everything like that. Maybe kick off the show with that instead. Saying, hey, this is the celebration of Mario. We got a great new, you know, Super Mario Maker. You know it's coming. You can play it at Best Buy. And here's the rollout. And then, oh yeah, by the way, one last thing. And then show Star Fox. I think that would have been a lot better. That's a good point because in my head, as you know, I've done a little directing in my past. And if you had taken the puppet thing, started it off the same way, but not shown the whole like transformation into the Star Fox puppets, save that as the last sudden transformation. Yep. Um, that could have been a surprise in its own right. That would have got people kind of psyched. Um, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and maybe that wouldn't have worked. But it sounds good. Yeah, I just think that you know, ending with you know Star Fox, you know, you know uh, Reggie Awada and Miyamoto, you know, changing into the Star Fox characters, and then probably ending like the last little teaser, you know, showing that Platinum Games was the developer. Mm-hmm. I think things would have blown up. Sure. Figuratively speaking. Like a babam. Like a bob. So, last question, and then we'll jump into our main topics. What uh, non-Nintendo announcement re- resonated with you the most? You know, I well, actually, Joe might agree with me on this. Uh, the reveal of the actual Final Fantasy VII remake. He might agree with it. He might. <laughs> yeah, that was unexpected and a welcome surprise. Yep. I'm gonna withhold judgment. I don't know if I'm actually going to buy a PS4 and you know actually play that game because. Square is Square nowadays. It doesn't hold quite the same water as it used to. But do you remember when Square could do no wrong? Oh, I that yeah, the heyday of the like the you know mid to late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah. so good. That sounds it's like amazing. a podcast topic to me. Probably on a future episode. It's amazing that like Square was so great and Enix was so great, and pretty much since they've come together, it's been like eh. yeah, it's been hit and miss. Hit and miss. It's good that there's hits, but anyway. Okay, so thank you for your uh, your quick answers on those, Grant. My pleasure. Let's uh, let's jump right in, man, to pretty much the bulk of uh, the rest of the segment here, where you showed interest in a lot of different things, but what we want to focus on with you here is a couple of 3DS games. By a couple, I mean a few, and by a few, I mean three. Um, <laughs> let's let's uh, start from the top, I guess, in order of when they showed up. Um, Hyrule Warriors Legends, which was eh, leaked, you know, ahead of time by accident by uh, what, Team Ko- Koei, is that how they pronounce her? Yeah, Koei Tecmo. Koei Tecmo, yeah, yeah, that's right. Whatever they're calling each other. Fish, Tecmo. And they, they're the ones that do the Hyrule Warriors games, right? Or is that yeah, they do all the Warriors games, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure, because, uh, the, you know, the whole partnership... I don't know, I just hear Nintendo, so um, I've always sucked about that kind of information. But anyway, so, yeah, they kind of leaked the, the trailer, and, uh, which, it was a cool trailer, but it was it was kind of a letdown, maybe, to see that it was just the same trailer in the direct, but uh, yeah. what do you think about the game, though? Because I think that still doesn't take away from the game, no? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting, I've only played, uh, you know, one or two of the Warriors games, and I've never actually played the, uh, the Hyrule Warriors that came out on Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a lot of good things about it. Um, I know you played it, Stephen, and uh, played it a lot. You enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and having it on you know 3DS is pretty cool. Um, you know, Samurai Warriors Chronicle worked really well on 3DS. That was a uh, it wasn't a launch title, but I think it was like a first year, maybe like a you know launch window kind of game. I think mm-hmm. on the uh, 3DS, so it'd be kind of cool. It's got some extra stuff thrown in there. Um, 
I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. Is that a is that a new Nintendo 3DS exclusive, or that could be played on the normal 3DS as well? I think it's actually gonna work on the normal 3DS. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you we know, don't, we don't know exactly how scaled down some of the um, some of the maps will be, right? Because they have kind of said they've they've spun it like a positive, but they've kind of said it's gonna be like a a remake reimagining of Hyrule Warriors as opposed to a direct mm-hmm. direct port. I mean, it still implies great things for what the 3DS is capable of. Don't get me wrong, but we don't know yeah. exactly how, you know, how I impressive. I would it hope is. it wasn't wouldn't be an exact copy. I, I wouldn't necessarily want the exact same game again, especially yeah. it's so close to each other. Right. Yeah, it's only like August. Uh, this is less than a year since yeah. August or September. So I mean, the things, the hints that we've seen so far, I think, were, uh, well, first of all, as far as the size, I mean, the what's the biggest size that they use for SD cards for uh, for 3DSs? It's, uh, well, not really SD, but um, is it like 8 gigs, or is it 4, or do we know? I, I know 4 for sure, and then, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how large Smash Brothers is, or how large... Um... I think it's like 15 gigs for Smash. <laughs> Oh well, for Wii U Smash, I don't know how big it is on the 3DS now. Yeah, for 3DS, 3DS it might be only a, a few gigs. Yeah. But then I don't know how big you know Xenoblade Chronicles 3D is. Good point. Yeah. Well, so maybe it's not a size limitation so much. I guess I can't speak on that. But uh, in terms of processing power, there's so many characters on screen on the Wii U one. It's clearly been scaled back for the trailer and what we've seen there. But um, some people see this as a detriment. But I mean, if they continue to respawn. Then it's not that big of a deal. I don't. I'm not going to miss if I was to play it on the 3DS. I'm not going to miss that I can't see as many characters in the background. Mm-hmm. The maps. And that's typically how those games played back on you know PS2 and on the Wii and on on the 3DS before right. the Samurai Warriors Chronicle. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And then and then the maps they've shown so far look the same as the maps on the Wii U. So it makes you wonder. Well, maybe it is as big, but. Uh, there's been some speculation from other folks that maybe they're the same maps, but they're scaled down, so the distances are, are shorter, but they're still the same general geography, and that could be interesting, and that'd be fine. But one of the major differences that you could do on the Wii U, but they didn't do, and they're going to do with the 3DS, is that you can actually be multiple characters at once, so you yeah, can switch between them. Exciting. Yeah. That's one of the coolest aspects of the whole thing. That almost makes you want to, if they had a whole new Single-player campaign, plus that feature, I actually would consider getting it on the 3DS. That, that is a cool feature. That yeah. is really nice. And come to think of it, if you get it on the 3DS, and you don't own it on the Wii U, if it's not linked to your console in any way, or your NNID, I will gladly take whatever code allows me to get the uh, Wind Waker characters in my Wii U one. I will call dibs <laughs> because because <laughs> they have new characters from the Wind Waker series, which is really cool. And as far as we know, and Mr. Mustache pointed this out, he, he caught wind of this somewhere, uh, but I read it today. But he read that uh, I think it was maybe on an update in on one of the consoles. But that Hyrule Warriors, you can get those characters on the Wii U version, or you will be able to, as long as you somehow link the two. And again, I don't know if that's a code or not, but um, it Is implies. That by the way, what? The Wind Waker characters, mustache caught wind of it. That was not intentional, and I can't believe I missed that. But my brain's working for me. You know, well doesn't have to think. Thank you. Uh, that blew right by me, to be honest with you. But um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, usually if I'm aware of, of a pun, I pause and laugh at myself. So just so you know, <laughs> that's how you tell. Uh, anyway, 
so that that doesn't necessarily clarify if they will actually allow you to buy them anyway. But if you can't, that would be kind of a kind of a shitty situation, I think, because those are really nice looking characters, and it would be really cool. To play. I would actually probably go in for more DLC on Hyrule Warriors just to have those characters, maybe. No. As if there's not enough DLC for that game. Right, I know. <laughs> but at the same time, I can see them wanting to hold back on that because that is one of the bigger selling points of the 3DS version. And right. if you take that away, then people may not be inclined to go with 3DS with it. So, um, There's a little one somewhere in the room, in one of our rooms, that's uh, agreeing, I think. He's yeah, well, one of the reasons I was a little late into the... The recording. My daughter's refusing to go to bed, so I I apologize. Hey, if she's you know, just let me know if she's got something to say. You know, that's all right. No big deal. Um, maybe she's excited for Tetra to be in Hero Warriors 3D. S. You know, the 3D part. I didn't even think about that. That might be pretty cool too. Because that game did look nice. So a 3D version of that should be sweet. That would look really cool, especially with the um, you know, the super stable 3D on the new 3DS. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. uh, well. As you know, those Warriors games are very action-heavy. Right. So if you have the uh, screen jostling around a lot, then having that super stable 3D keeping everything in focus will be a really nice bonus. They will. So let's uh, let's move on to the next game. And the next one, you're going to have to really cue me in on because I know very little about the franchise and... I can't remember a single thing I saw about this game on, on the Direct, but Fire Emblem Fates. All right. Fire Emblem Fates, the newest in the Fire Emblem series. This looks so good. The longest, according to the Treehouse. They did, yeah. I did catch oh. it. It's like 28 chapters or something. Well, yeah, and, it, and it's split between your decisions. Um, I guess there's like a, a part where you can either join the clan that raised you or go with the family that actually bred you. Um, and depending on your choice, it'll lead you either down, you know, it, it, it's very, uh, very digital. So either you're, you're, you're going to go with the, the good army or you're going to go with the bad army. And it's up to you to decide. And I suppose, um, you know, w- which way you choose is going to dictate how the game plays out, you know, what character is going to interact with you, how they're going to interact with you. Um, do you still play the same character though? Like a same lead character? As far as I know, yes. Okay. Um, Sounds like you make your own, so you are yeah. that kind of avatar in, in okay. either case. So you're not Marth or Roy or Christina, right. per se. Okay. Right. You're a Ninten. And, uh, Earthbound reference, anyway. <laughs> um, and, uh, basically, um, like, yeah, you'll always stay, stay as the same character as your, as your avatar. Um, but the people around you, your, your party will change depending on what choices you make. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Right, let me, let me ask this. Cause this is something that I still don't understand and maybe I'm just thick, but I've been watching the, the, uh, trios of, I still don't, I still don't get a sense of this. So I know that in Japan, uh, the game is being sold, you know, two versions of the same game. And when you buy the game, as far as I knew, you made that decision at that time. You either were going to be like the good version or the bad version. You were going to work kind of like for the good guys or the bad guys. Right. Um, and I'm quite sure that here, so two versions split, I think the same way, but I, I don't know. They said something about like after you beat it one way, you can 
go back and do it the other way. Like, I don't understand. And also, one way is supposed to be easier than the other. And, like, I'm really confused on all that. Do you have a clearer sense of this or, or what? Well, the reason you're confused is because <laughs> Nintendo hasn't been exactly straightforward before coming with information regarding it. Okay, awesome. So, as best as I can gather, basically what's going to happen is that um, you can buy the game and every retail or downloadable copy is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And then the first, like, six or seven missions will be the same regardless. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be a, a, a point in the story where you either choose the bad guys or the good guys. And then the story branches off from there. And then if you want to go back and try the other path, you have to, I, I think you have to download it. Okay. Whether you have it via the eShop or from from retail. And pay full price? They haven't said. Okay. Because that seems, yeah, that seems a little uncool. I, I doubt that would give you, you know, just, you know, that, not half of the game, but the remainder of that part of the game for the full price. Yeah. But, you know. But if it's already, if it's already on the cart, I mean, that's. Well, that's the thing. I don't think it's on the cart. I think you have, well, I don't know. That's. But if you, yeah, you know, if you can be the bad army, uh, then, then DLC, the good army, but vice versa on the same single copy. Yeah. Uh, or single print. That's kind of, it's like Amiibo without the Amiibo, which will be even worse than Amiibo. It's we, been we very confusing, and unfortunately, Nintendo's done very little to clear the air. <laughs> okay, so like Amiibo. Um, Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll know more. It's, it's a 2016 title, so it's definitely uh, a little ways away. I'm sure we'll see more of it in the future. Yeah, I'm sure they'll fill in the blanks as we go along. I honestly thought it was going to be a Wii U title because the cutscenes look so good. Yeah, <laughs> they, they definitely did a really good job those in those. Uh, in a resolution that I don't think the 3DS can really... Uh, yeah, you won't see that, I don't think. Yeah, it won't look quite that good, but it looks amazing. Yeah, but, I think they kind of upped the res for the presentation, mm-hmm. but when you're actually looking at it on the 3DS screen, that's essentially what it will look like, even though the resolution will be down. totally yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. It, didn't, it didn't hurt that uh, I was watching this and, you know... It, like uh, on my on my 40-inch, I had the internet patched in there, and I had it full screen and everything. So I was watching it as if it was a Wii U game, and it still looked great. So uh, it was surprising, but... You know, one thing I saw about that game today that, for some reason, really is uh, resonating with me and making me a lot more excited is that, uh, unlike previous Fire Emblem games, where when a battle starts, you kind of wipe to a separate screen, you know, and then you just see your the two characters, and then they kind of fight... Uh, with this game, it actually will kind of like zoom down to a full 3D render of whatever space those characters were in. Mm-hmm. So you'll actually, it'll actually be, you know, kind of contextualized within that setting. Like if you were fighting next to a building, it'll zoom in and that building will be there as opposed to just being in kind of a generic area like in all the past games. So this is a little touch. That's a big difference for me. That's that's really a lot cooler, I think. It kind of meshes the world together, the, yeah. the gameplay world and then the, I guess, the overworld or your god perspective. Right. You know? Yeah, it makes it makes a little less, you know, of a reminder that you're just playing a game. Right. You know? Right. So that was really neat. 
you know, I don't have a lot of uh, Fire Emblem experience or interest, but it looked pretty cool to me, too. And from what I could tell, the story was going to be pretty wild and interesting, especially that at the end where she's, like, the, she's laying in the water. There's that weird uh, deer thing or creature or whatever. Oh, yeah. And um, and then her necklace is, like, floating up, almost like it's attracted to it. And I think she says something like... Uh, if you if you're gonna kill me, do it in right. your own form. It's like so she knows this guy or this girl. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it was some pretty cool stuff. It was pretty interesting. Yep. Yep. So Definitely I would have I would have said don't kill me at all. Um, right. But let you know. me go, you weird deer demon. Yeah. Weird deer. Any any final thoughts on uh on that, Grant? Um. No, I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. I'm liking all the tie-ins to the uh. The old stuff. The uh, I'm also kind of looking forward to the mix of the, uh, the weapons triangle. They're doing a little mix up of that, so it's going to be a very interesting game. Okay. And I apologize if you hear babies crying in the background. <laughs> you know what? It's still uh, less distracting than being on a tarmac, so, <laughs> uh, so that's all right. Uh, you know, in, in the short time we got left here, let's jump into one final game that also is a bit of a mix. Um, this caught, I think, a lot of people off guard, whether you're a fan or foe of the series uh, that this is based off of, but uh, what is it officially called? It's Mario and Luigi uh, Paper Jam? Paper Jam. Yeah. Which, um, sounds delicious. Yeah, sounds like uh, a bad day at the office. Yeah, I mean, it came completely out of nowhere. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. Um, you know, the Mario and Luigi games and the Paper Mario games have always been kind of their own separate entities as far as franchises go. And the fact that Nintendo's decided, like, you know what? Let's just do these and put them together and let's see what happens. And Alpha Dream was basically like, okay, we're going to do this. And so far, I mean, it looks like it's going to have the humor of the Mario and Luigi games. Absolutely. Um, kind of showing like the rhythmic battles, you know, the timing presses of the, uh, you know, special moves and attacks and, and defensives. Mm-hmm. And then, um, even showing some of like the, the Paper Mario puzzle solving stuff. You know, it was a very short little trailer that they had there. Yeah. Even in it, you saw like Mario and Luigi and then Paper Mario were walking through a field and there's like a very narrow gap where only Paper Mario could slide through. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the dynamic between, you know, the Mario Brothers and then Paper Mario working their way through the uh, through the world is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I um, I wasn't so favorable on this initially. It was kind of a shock to my system, so I didn't really absorb it. And looking at it again today, it, I'm actually really excited for this. I had a lot of fun with the last one with uh, uh, it's the Luigi Dream one. What was that called? Dream Team. Yeah, and I, I had a lot of fun with that one. And I didn't have as much fun with Sticker Star, but I love the the classic Paper Mario gameplay. So the fact that there's going to be a game where both gameplay styles are going to be infused is kind of like a like a win-win, really. It allows me to, in one game at one moment, without having to wait for the NX, I'm going to be able to play both games at once. And I'm kind of fascinated by the story and how that's going to work, because obviously Paper Mario is, is here with Mario and Luigi, but there's a, a section of the trailer where you have the 3D Koopa and you have two Paper Koopas. So is this going to be a situation where, you know, Paper Bowser is turning the real world into paper and that's why him and the other Bowser don't get along too? Uh, I don't know, but 
it uh, it looks pretty wonderful and it looks like it'll be a total treat. And Joe, uh, tell me what you think, but also, do you remember what they said about the release date for that? Do you remember? Um, I don't, but I've got something in front of me here. Oh yeah, PD Piranhas. I got the 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 trailer running right now, and yeah, Paper uh, Mario uses. I think it just says 2016. Ah, damn it! it I bet you it'll be in early 2016, or like February, like Sticker Star was. Um. Yeah. Personally, uh, let's see. I have not really played a single game in either series, so um, they look good. I don't even know if I would like them. But uh, they look well made, and it certainly looks cool that they've, you know, got the uh, comedy well, aspect you, still in there. You mentioned Square Enix or NX or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Spring 2016, by the way. That's okay. what the trailer says. Okay. So you mentioned Square Enix though, and Square obviously. Did you ever play um, RPG? Yeah, Mario RPG. No. No. Okay. But you <laughs> like RPGs, and you like Mario. I do. What is holding you back? We have to tap into this for a second. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, did 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 Mario RPGs hurt you as a kid, or something happened? No, I think it's um, we're we're just gonna reveal more of my very finicky uh tastes in video games. But um, I think it's just that like I play RPGs. I like you know I like the uh the the characters and story elements, and that's usually kind of something that is absent in the Mario characters. You're almost not even supposed to think about their backstories really so um yeah so so mixing those two together just just wasn't really appealing for me man i would i would i would give i would urge you to try giving that a different perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know which one i would say go play this one over that one or whatever i mean really well they're also different this way i purchased the um mario and luigi 3ds xl because it was just the one that I thought had the coolest design that mm-hmm. I could find. And it came preloaded with Dream Team. So it's here. So I can... Then get started. I can try <laughs> Basically, you have no excuse now. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know, I made the game thread for that game, and then I did not play it. I bought it. I actually forgot I bought it, and it got mailed to me, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I didn't touch it for months. And I was kind. Of, some people kind of gave it maybe a bad rap, and I wasn't really super psyched for it. I heard it was mediocre, but I when I played it, I had a lot of fun. Okay. So I want to. I want to just put that out there that, uh, especially since you're new, you should be able to get full enjoyment out of it, and it won't feel. None. None. Any other areas that might have felt a little tired in the franchise shouldn't feel that way to you because you don't know them. You know, it was. A, it was a cool idea for a Mario Luigi game. Plus, as a big Luigi fan, I enjoy that there's a sort of Luigi focus, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it came out during the year of Luigi. It's huge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's more Luigi than you can shake a Goomba at, pretty much. Um, more than more than any other Mario RPG has utilized them, so. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're kind of running out of time here a little bit, but um, I guess I want to get a little bit more perspective from you, Grant. Um, yeah. Are you... Would you rather that this game have more of a Mario and Luigi focus or more of a Paper Mario focus? Um, you know, I've always sided more with Mario and Luigi just because I feel like that series has been a little bit more consistent over time. I feel like Paper Mario is kind of... I mean, I 
generally speaking, I like the Thousand Year Door better than even the first one, but the first one gets a lot of props for being so original for what it was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Super Paper Mario was kind of weird, and then Sicker Star was kind of weird too, and it's kind of had this downward spiral. So, um, but having said that, because this is a crossover and they have both Mario Luigi and Paper in the title, I want to be an even split. I want to be 50 50. I want to have the best of both worlds. I agree. Uh, it clearly uses the Mario Luigi engine, per se, I guess, uh, in terms of the graphical style, but, you know, it's Paper Mario being infused into that versus the other way around, which I guess right, makes yeah, the most it's sense. It's definitely Paper Mario going into the Mario and Luigi world. And from a, from a story perspective, that probably makes the most sense. You know, because yeah. Paper Mario is the surreal one, supposedly. Yeah, I'm guessing that, uh, you know, the Mario and Luigi, you know, brothers, they find, like, a book or something, and then Paper Mario jumps out of it or something, and things carry on from there. It's probably Paper Mario jumps out, Paper Bowser chases him after him, and they're like, oh, crap, let's go help out. And then, there you go. Probably. I did think the trailer was, for for being as little information-giving as... um as it was, it did a nice job of showing the different characters next to each other, the Paper Peach and the Real Peach and Bowser and Mario and all that stuff. So that kind of really sold the premise. And uh, again, yeah, it comes up... It was up, almost a, uh, kind of a Back to the Future kind of reference where like, <laughs> characters of the same... I guess two versions of the same character meeting each other and they're kind of like, hey, who are you? Wait, are you me? Am I me? Am I you? Am I me you? Like, what's going on? You know, you just brought up one thing that now I fear is that there will be a dialogue tree about 10 minutes long of that. Because, right. Joe, the one thing you know, need to know about the Mario and Luigi series, and actually the Paper Mario 2, uh, to some degree, is that there can be a lot of text sometimes. Okay. And uh, they they don't necessarily even flesh out the characters. It's just a lot of, like, goofiness. And so sometimes, you, yeah, you might end up tapping the A button to kind of get through it uh, okay. quickly. But um, hopefully you're a speed reader, then it's not too bad. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I mean... It's Alpha Dream that's developing it, and their dialogue is a little bit snappier and a little bit more uh, humor-filled. Right. Um, okay. Intelligent Systems is usually the company that does the Paper Mario series, mm-hmm. and obviously, I think right now they're tied up with uh, Fire Emblem Fates, and then the uh, you know Shin Megami Tensei crossover they have going. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be good though, and again, it comes out spring 2016. So I'm guessing maybe not a February release like uh, Sticker Star was, but for spring, I guess that's. Um, late March through late June, or um, I see that as like an April May title. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so at least it won't be at another E3. You know, right. we have it before that. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be the next Star Fox or Mario Maker. Um, but okay, so I guess we should wrap it up. Any final thoughts on any of the three games, or the show in general, or the 3DS shown, or anything? Um, you know, I hope. Uh... Yokoi Watch takes off. Mm. That was an intriguing game. Yeah, you know, I I do like the Pokemon series, and um, I'm not necessarily tired of the formula because I still play those games all the time. But I know for a lot of people that series has kind of ran stale. <coughs> so maybe uh, this kind of give them a, a different option to uh, you know kind of fuel their uh, gotta catch them all itch. You know, it's good you said that because I kind of picked up on that vibe, but I wasn't really sure what I was seeing. Yeah, so, it is Pokemon. That game just looks so well made. It just looks like it has such effort put into it, though. Yeah, 
Yeah, the it's art amazing. style's great. The you know the colors, the the, the music, it's all like just so whimsical and 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 it, uh just so charming. I it, it's it's almost like a like a old school like Saturday morning cartoon brought right. to a video game, and then you get to play in it. It's it's very charming. It's charming is the best word I can come up for it. Who's making that? Uh, that is developed by Level Five. Okay. Okay. All right. They're a good name. Um, yeah, you know them from the uh, Professor Layton guys. Yeah, they also weren't they the ones who? Wait, now I'm trying to think. Who did Luigi's Mansion two? Uh, that's next level games. Oh damn it! Okay, yeah, I that's always get those two mixed up. That explains it. All right. Um, you know, but I guess without a Pokemon, which was kind of a surprise, without any Pokemon shown, um, maybe that's well, part of the reason. Were, yeah, people were thinking that was why is that they're trying to leave some room for this, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and hopefully is, that would mean future Pokemon games would be revamped as well. Maybe they're working on a rehaul. That would be that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did actually have a Pokemon game to show, but it, it wasn't in the uh, in the digital event. Oh right, that super right. mystery dungeon or whatever they're calling right. it. Right, but it wasn't like Pokemon Z or anything. Right. Yeah, it wasn't game. a mainline mainline Pokemon. I really wish they had spent twenty minutes though on like Pokemon Shuffle DLC <laughs> to explain that some more. Um, <laughs> But anyway, more dumb jokes like that are uh, on their way. We do have to end this particular segment. Um, Grant, thank you very much for your uh, your time here and thank your you daughter's me. time. Um, <laughs> we, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll have to have you back very soon. Awesome. Sounds great. Full disclosure, I'm pretty much saying that to every guest, but I mean it for every guest, mm-hmm. and I mean it for you, bud. Plus, it was good seeing you last week. It, w- it was a fun time. That was. Yes. We'll have to do that again. Sometimes those guys like to come over here, have dinner, get some beers and some buffalo wings and stuff, and uh, I'll let you know when that happens next. Awesome. Yeah, and we had such little trouble getting over the border. It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Joe, whenever uh, the Border Patrol or whatever asks you, you know, hey, what do you got on you when you're trying to cross the border? Don't be so honest that you say the only thing you actually are bringing with you, which are amiibos, because then they're going to say, what's an amiibo? And then then you've got to explain it, and then... But actually, it kind of helps because I'm like, oh, Nintendo, this guy's a nerd. Let's go. So, uh, but no, I, I guess I answer too, <laughs> too seriously. <laughs> and then I, uh, I didn't show it to him though. Although I've done it once before, had the same kind of interaction, so I should have known better. And that time, the first time, I actually showed him what the amiibos were because they were like, oh, what's that? You know. So uh, I forgot which ones they were, but I brought them to Paul. That is outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, thanks, Grant. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our final guest of the episode, which is the Negative Old Site owner, Zero. Everybody, we are in the final segment of episode 81 of the E3 2015 Negative World podcasts, and uh, I've got Joe with me still, of course, and we have our final guest, Zero. You know him as Andrew. Welcome. I think most people know me as Zero, actually, but yes, I am Andrew. 
I was, yeah, actually, I can't even defend that. That's that's probably true. Good point. Um, yeah, but he's the site owner, as you guys know. He he does the music for our our uh, podcast and his own games, and other people's games, and he's he's taken some time away from all of his hard work to uh, chat about Nintendo with us today. So thank you and welcome. Hello. Let's get started with the five questions everyone will be asked, which is the apparent title I gave that in the uh, prep thread, uh, prep document. Um, Joe, you will start us off. All right. Andrew, based on this year's E3, what is your most anticipated game? Um, That's a, that's a hard one. It's the, I think it's definitely between Star Fox and Xenoblade. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it would be Star Fox for sure if I was a hundred percent sold on it, but I'm still a little hesitant about the controls, and I guess we could talk about that later. But yeah, those two are are the ones most. I think um, to get away from Nintendo for a second, uh, the last was it the Last Guardian, because mm-hmm. um, I really loved Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, and like one of the reasons I got a PS3 was to play The Last Guardian, and then it never came Ouch. out on PS3. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not the kind of person who's going to buy a system for one game. So like, it had games I wanted when I bought sure. it, but that game also pushed me in that direction, and then it never came out. At this point, I honestly thought it was dead. So to see it come back and it's supposedly releasing next year now. That's pretty cool, but I also don't have a PS4, and I don't think I'd buy it just for that <laughs> game. So, for me, once shame on you, or so shame on me. yeah. It, if uh, if I had the system it was releasing on, I think that would be up there with the other two games. But as it stands, I'm just gonna say Star Fox and Xenoblade Chronicles X. Okay, cool. So, what was your favorite overall Nintendo moment at V3? Uh, Star Fox, <laughs> the debut of it. I mean, it, they, they like, remember last year they sort of debuted it, but it was like this weird, like they didn't even announce it at the conference and then they sort of showed it off to some. Absolutely. I remember that. I wish that they hadn't even brought it up because I didn't think they did it justice. Yeah. It's like they kind of showed it off to the press, but it was this just like a tech demo at the time and. It was more about the controls. There wasn't really any gameplay yet, if I recall, except just going around shooting some ships or something. So at the time, I was like, is this another like weird Miyamoto control experience that, you know, it's not even going to resemble Star Fox as we know it? Um, but then they showed it off this year and it's like, it looks like a true successor to Star Fox. It, to me, it looks like a true successor to Star Fox 64, which is like one of my favorite games of all time. So that got me really pumped. And then I was watching some of the Treehouse stuff too, and that's, that looked really good too. But yeah, I'd say just a debut to see it in a form that I could get excited about, unlike last year. So cool. And, you know, I mean, this probably was big for you too, but it's a 2015 title. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even have like much of a sense of time anymore, so I don't know that that matters. <laughs> like, if if all these games were coming in 2016, I'd be like, oh, good, that gives me time to catch up on like the 15 right. games I I'm, think I'm going to play before then. Which, so it's all future to you. Right. Yeah, but 
it, it's still, I mean, it's good. It's good that it's come out, and I just hope it's ready. You know, I hope they're not rushing anything. Like, I'm the kind of person who would almost rather, like, well, I definitely would rather they push things off till they're ready. So if it's ready, then that's good. But if they're rushing it to have something for the Christmas, then I would almost rather they hold off. But Right. So, question number three. If there was something missing from this E3 for you, what would it be? I think the thing missing is um, I would bet a lot of people are giving this answer that there was there was no real like new game we didn't know about that was like big, you know. There's right. no big Mario, Metroid, or Zelda or nothing, you know, nothing big showing up. Like Star Fox to me is the biggest thing, but that was shown off before, so we knew it existed. We, we had seen a little bit of it before. So if they hadn't showed it last year, would this have been the mind-blowing reveal that we all wanted? I think so. I, it's weird though because I've seen a lot of people are disappointed, and I like I've seen a lot of comments, for instance, about how it doesn't look that much better than like N64 graphics or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, Star Fox 64 is like one of the greatest games ever, so who cares? Well, I know? think. I mean, I, I mentioned this before uh, earlier tonight, but I think that's part of the premise. I mean. They're not looking to make it some sort of gritty, realistic Star Fox. They want to make it pay homage to where it came from. And who says that the Star Fox universe has to have detailed textures? Uh, and these are these are subtly detailed, though. It's not like they're just super flat. You know what I mean? There's dynamic lighting, and there's there's good polygons and, and textures. They're just not overly detailed. I, I didn't think it looked bad. The water actually looked really good, but mm-hmm. yep. um, I didn't think it looked bad. I thought it looked okay. I don't think it's pushing the system graphically but then again i was reading about how it's like it's at a perfect 60 frames per second and like it never drops below that and stuff so i think sometimes nintendo goes more for frame rate than they do for just pushing a bunch of stuff in you know it's about the experience with them you know but uh yeah but i mean for me it was a good debut i know some people wish it looked a little prettier but sure so how did you feel overall about Nintendo's dissemination of information this year between all the different directs and events and special reveals across the past, what, five days? Uh, you mean just the, this year or just the last five days? This year. Well, okay, this year. Sorry. Yeah, just over their E3 gauntlet, you know, all the different I kind of don't remember much of anything beyond the last couple of days. Yeah, no, just, just the past <laughs> couple of days. Um... I think it was okay. There were some, there were a couple of weird things, like some of the announcements. I mean, I don't know. I get, it, it comes down to like whether you think it's important that they have that one killer conference because I feel like maybe people would have been less disappointed by a conference if, you know, the Ryu, they, you know, Smash Brothers thing was in it and if Earthbound, uh, Beginnings was in it. And instead they kind of did those a couple of days before. But for me, that's fine. You know, I don't. It, it, you get all the information in the end, anyway. So, right. Okay. Fair enough. So I think you probably answered this already. But uh, is the Last Guardian your biggest non-Nintendo announcement from this week? Um, I would say yeah, but it's also <laughs> it's it's an announcement in the sense that like it still exists. I mean. Right. Uh, if it were like a brand, if they had never announced it before and it was just being announced right now, then I would have been like floored. But 
it's more like, oh, cool. It still exists. It looks like what I expected. It, it didn't like blow me away, but it's pretty much what I expected, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, but I, I would say, yeah, that's probably, I mean, I, I haven't, I didn't really even pay much attention to the other conferences. So were you a big fan of the rare games from the N64 era and before? Um, yeah. Cause I'm just surprised that I'm the only one who's really kind of mentioned it, specifically the Rare Revival for Xbox One. Did you, do you know much about that? Is it the, the collection of 30 games? Yeah, 30 games for 30 bucks. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's cool, but I probably already own all the games I want from the collection, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm the same person who I don't buy remakes, you know? I don't, I only got Metroid Prime Trilogy when it was five dollars. You know, like wow. I never get the same games I own again unless there's something really changed. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. um, well, it's like, on it, a different platform. What else can you change it on? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like it would be cool. I guess to me though, like it's like a, I already have. I've I've played those games as much as I wanted to, and if I ever want to play them again, I'll just throw my 64 on and play again. So. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I'm not trying to convince anything. I mean, for me, you made a good point that you already have these games. I literally, the day before, within 24 hours of that announcement, I actually borrowed 10% of that game in its original cart form from Plute. So I came back with uh, with three games from his house, and uh, I intend to play those on the 64. But um, there's pro- There probably are games on that disc that I've never played before that would be cool, but I, I mean... Maybe there's like one or two that I would really want to play, and I would just go buy the cartridge or something. Right, right. So okay, well that answers our five questions. Appreciate your uh, your sticking with us through that. Let's get into the nitty gritty. We got uh, three topics, and then and then this episode is complete. So let's start with the first one. Um, you are one of the bigger Earthbound fans on the forums, I believe, and. Uh, at least whenever I feel guilty that I haven't played, I feel like I'm feeling guilty in front of you. So that correlation exists, and uh, I, I feel you might have something to say about Earthbound Beginnings. Because even I, as a non... someone who's just not attached to the, to the franchise, I can see how kind of pivotal this might be for Nintendo. I think, I think like, other people on the forums are way bigger Earthbound fans than me. Um, maybe because I didn't actually ever play the game until uh it came out on the the Wii U and that was last year, right? Or I believe so. Uh, yeah. yeah, year or two, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my experience with the, the the franchise as far as like really sitting down and playing it. Um as far as beginnings though, I actually did play like 5 minutes of it on a Dreamcast emulator like a long time ago. But Interesting. I, this was one of those, you know, things where someone gave me this disc that had like you know, 500 games on or something. So I I never actually sat down and played any of the games. I would play every game that looked interesting for like two minutes and then like, all right, this isn't even that much fun. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but now that I actually played through Earthbound last year, I think, and I really liked it. It It's a really cool game. It's really unique. It's, to me, such a unique Nintendo franchise. It's already... I mean, the RPG franchises, to me, they usually fall into, like, two things. They're either fantasy, 
with like sort of old time fantasy with like knights and swords and magic or they're like sci-fi fantasy. But this is just a game where you're just this like kid in the modern time and there's cities and you have a baseball bat and you're running around, you know, that's your weapon. And, and then there's all this weird, like just weird stuff that happens. I don't, I'm not going to spoil uh, Earthbound, but a lot of weird stuff happens in that game. And so, yeah, I was interested in this one. So when I saw it announced, I just went and got it right away. It was only like, I forget, it was like five bucks or six bucks or something. How would you feel about the fact that it was just ready? Because they didn't announce it for it to come later. They just said, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for a while, but here you go. It's done. I really I really like when <laughs> Nintendo does that. And for something like this, it's like you don't need to build the hype, you know? <laughs> it's like... People are either going to go get it or they're not. It's not a game you could really sit and build hype for. It's an old NES game. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool that they, they said that. And I think, I, I don't remember, I might have been at work that day or somewhere. And so I, when I came home, I downloaded it. And I've, I've only gotten about an hour into it so far. And it's a little uh, sketchier than Earthbound. Because Earthbound is, in case anybody doesn't know, is the second game in the series. It it's is the only two, one. Right. Yeah, it's Mother 2. It's the only one that came to um, the, the West. So that was a Super Nintendo game. And this is the first game in the series, Mother, which I guess is being called Earthbound Beginnings now. And it's a uh, original NES game. So it's a little bit less advanced in uh, some of the control, like, just walking around, it's not as smooth as you would expect. Um, but it's been fun, you know. It's it's got that same weird sense of humor, and you can see that this game started it. You know, like the one of the first things that happened when I left my my home is I got attacked by a hippie. So it's like, well, then, many... you, then you got home and you played the game, right? Yeah, and then I got home and yeah. played the game. No, yeah. So how many games? Is like a, a hippie and that he has some weird attacks too. It's like, I forget what he says. Like he tries to like talk you into something and it doesn't work or something. It's oh, just geez. creepy. It's, it's not just like, you know, he's like punching you or whatever. It's Does like, he like roll up in a van and smoke comes out of it? And well, it's a NES game. So, uh, you're walking around a field and the screen flashes and then the, you know, it switches to the battle mode instantly. So how, how is the whole, uh, you know, random battle mechanic. I mean, is it pretty tough to swallow the old conventions, or is it actually not so bad? Um, both, I guess. I mean, I think it will probably get annoying eventually. I haven't minded it too much, but there are kind of a lot of random battles, and sometimes I, I'm still trying to get a sense of where they could happen because this is a this is a game. A lot of RPGs, when you, like, go into a town, the whole, like, screen switches or whatever. But this is a game where towns are just kind of part of the, the whole map. You know, so on the outskirts of towns, you could still get attacked. In the middle, you sort of don't, but there's some invisible line where you start getting attacked again. I haven't really figured out where exactly that is. Huh. So it's it's almost like you don't even know when you're safe from these random battles always, but... I don't know. It hasn't bothered me too much. The one thing that's a little annoying is it definitely requires some grinding. Like even I've only been playing maybe an hour, but even within like, you know, just leaving your house, it's, it's easy to get killed like right off the start. 
So you almost have to like grind a level or two just to be able to like get to the town and then you have to grind a couple more levels to get to the graveyard, which is where I'm supposed to go next. So yeah, I had already grind up to like level six or seven just to like keep going in this game because it's pretty brutal all the time. You should come back on the show when you've gotten farther and kind of tell us how that continues on because I would want to play this game and I would want to play Earthbound. I have that downloaded too, but I just don't have the patience to do tons of grinding necessarily these days. Yeah, and from what I hear, it's kind of like this the whole game. So it's like um, it's not just the beginning. Mm -hmm. We'll come back and confirm that with us regardless. I'm going to stick with it, yeah, so I'll probably try to finish the game unless it just gets really frustrating. But, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far, even with the grinding. So, mm -hmm. so let's move on then to uh, a game we already kind of talked about, but it's another big one for you. Uh, see if there's any more to say about Star Fox Zero. Star Fox, my namesake. Yes, <laughs> yes. They named it after you, which uh, shows how big of a fan you are. Yeah, um, yeah, I was already talking about this a little earlier, but that was really exciting to me to see a game that to me looks like, you know, Star Fox 64, the next iteration of that. Um, I mean, I don't know how much you guys are into Star Fox, but you know, there was the Super Nintendo one, which I really liked, and then Star Fox 64, and then after that, the series kind of just went downhill. There are two games after that, but neither of them are considered that great. Well, one of them just came out on the virtual console today. Star Fox Command. Command, yeah. yeah. I mean, some people like Command, but it, I like it's... Command. It, did you play it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I've never played it. Some people like it. It's supposed to be, like, okay, but it, it's kind of, I think it's set up differently where it's not really, like, straight, you know, levels. It's more Definitely like... Not. Sort of open map or something weird. Mm -hmm. There's like some strategy elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's a good game for the people who like it, but it's kind of like not the Star Fox 64 follow up that I've been hoping for. Um, this game looks really good though. I think, I, like I said, some of the people don't really think the graphics look that great. I don't really care that much about the graphics, but. Gameplay-wise, it looks like they're really just picking up where 64 left off. But then they're adding all these new transformations, which look awesome to me. Like uh the chickens. The Thank chicken you. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was calling it the chicken, too, and they're all, I forget who it was, but they were saying that it wasn't a chicken. But it's a chicken. Which apparently came from Star Fox 2, which was, like, finished but never released. And now mm -hmm. they're finally using that idea again. That's but, right. There was a mention of that. Uh -huh. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much you want, like, spoilers from the treehouse stuff afterwards. Cause I watched some of the tree, treehouse stuff on Star Fox. And, I mean, it's not like big spoilers, but, you know, it's stuff that wasn't shown in the actual digital event. I, mean, I guess it's up to Joe. Cause I've, my quick background for you, uh, Andrew, I played the 3DS remake of Star Fox 64. I was it was kind of one and done, but I'm actually excited for this because I think that I would enjoy it more on the big screen with Wii uh, U controls and all the other things they're putting in it. So um, I'm excited, but I'm not so into it that I, you know, wouldn't want to hear anything about it. So you can tell me anything you want. Yeah, Just fine with me. Joe's good with it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not. They didn't like show off any like 
I don't even know what a big spoiler would be first time, right? They didn't really show off any big spoilers, but they just showed how, like, some of the different vehicles work. And, you know, when I saw the transformations quickly in the, the original trailer, I was like, that's a cool idea, but I didn't really have the best sense of why you would do that. But then they were showing, um, this, this fight, uh, in the treehouse where there's a bunch of like things on the ground and there's also stuff on the sky. So, you fly around and you're attacking the stuff in the sky with your ship, which makes the most sense. But to try to attack the stuff on the ground, it's kind of like some of them are like hiding under certain things or some of them are, you know, you could do like, you know, when you're in a, a plane, you do one run, maybe you get like a shot or two in, but you don't really get too much in. So what they would do is they they would get near the ground and they flip in that chicken bone. And then when you're running around on the ground, it's a lot easier to, to attack the guys on the ground. But then they were also like, up on top of like the boss, there were there's all these like lasers on the boss, and you could like flip into the chicken and actually run around on top of this like flying boss and like shoot all the lasers and then like flip back into the ship mode to to get away. So yeah, they showed off all these really cool uses of these things. Didn't they imply that you could actually beat the levels different ways too, or at least beat bosses in different ways? So you could focus using the chicken, or you could go into the the R-Wing, or you could go into some other, like, the uh, Landmaster and do that, too. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw, that would, would be possible. Like, a lot of the stuff I saw them do with the chicken, you didn't really need the chicken. It just made the most sense. Um, I know I that in, the, in past games, how you beat a level can sometimes change your path throughout the, you know, the uh, just the way that the maps work. So it'd be kind of cool if, like, you could use the chicken to find a secret exit or something. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then I saw the, uh, I watched them play through this Landmaster tank level. I love the Landmaster tank. Like, in Star Fox 64, it, there were only two stages with the Landmaster tank. One of them was sort of like a desert stage, and then one of them was the train that that's going, and you're following it and, like, shooting at it the whole time. And, like, that train stage is one of my favorite stages in the game, but... But the Landmaster tank, I love. And then the, the level they showed off in Treehouse looked really cool. It was like these like shifting la, uh, sand things. So it's kind of like a sand level again. These shifting sand things and like, you know, so the, the ground's always like moving underneath you. And then there's all these enemies. And then you would get to these guys that would like shoot out a tongue and they'd like grab you and they'd like pull you towards them. And, um, yeah, it just looked really like, exactly what I wanted to see from the Landmaster levels, so. Well, cool. I mean, it's it's giving you what you hope to see, and it's uh, intriguing me, a relative non-fan, so. Yeah. I the think... only thing the only thing that's kind of holding me back is I heard, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of stuff from the hands-on E3 that a lot of people don't like the controls. And I don't know what, it's kind of hard to get a sense of what exactly they don't like. It just sounds like it's kind of complicated. It's not as easy to jump into as something like Star Fox 64 was. And maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe you spend a half hour with it and you get them down and then you don't even think about it again. But that's kind of the only thing holding back my hype a bit is like, I hope they either really do these Wii U controls right or at least have an option to play without like all the motion and two screen stuff and all that. Well, do you know what kind of the bigger problem with for people is it the the motion or is it the two screen? Um, I think I think it's kind of 
both. Like, the, there's a lot of people sort of like compared it to like the whole like tapping your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. So I think that might suggest the two screens. And, um, but I think a lot of people like for like tilt aiming either like it or they don't. I've never really played many games that use it. Splatoon's so. gotten a lot of hate for that as well. Is it uh, mandatory in Splatoon? Or? No, you can turn it off, but by default it's on. And a lot of people turn it off right away, but there's been a whole bunch of people on the forums and in other, like, Go Nintendo I've seen comments, where uh, they realize, oh, I should turn that back on, because it makes sense. Well, and, like, someone uh, from Nintendo said you could turn it off, but I guess I'm not really clear, like, if... So, it, like, in the old game, like Star Fox 64, you were just kind of shooting where you were aiming. I mean, where you were facing. You know, like, right. wherever you face your ship, that's where you shoot. And with this, it kind of sounds like uh, moving and aiming are sort of two separate things. If you turn off the tilt aiming, I'm not sure what you would use to do the aiming because the, the other second stick is used for all these different uh, moves and stuff. So I guess I don't have the best sense of, like, I mean... Being able to turn it off sounds good, but it's like, what's the alternative? Then? I don't know, but I don't know. I'm sure that will all come out soon enough. So. By the holiday. We have a yep. few more months, really. Which kind of feels weird, but... Yeah. It's coming. So, to segue into our final game topic, uh, if you're ready, um, also a holiday title is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. With an official December release date. Yeah. I'm de- uh, am I ready? I don't know. The first game took me like 120 hours to finish, and that was back when I actually had time in my life. That was quicker than me. And that still was like over the course of like a year. So still quicker than me. <laughs> I'm yep. thinking like maybe I'll finish this game in like three years or something. But At the same time, though, you know what you're getting into now. you know. But the game is supposed to be bigger. Than Xenoblade Chronicles. So four years. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah, you actually get like a diploma at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, before I had only watched like trailers and stuff, but because you know I was going to be coming on a podcast to talk about, it, I actually sat down and watched some of the Treehouse stuff. It actually looked really cool. Um. Oh yeah, I was watching some of that today. It was just looking glorious. Because one of my sort of concerns from like just hearing about the online multiplayer was like is this game going to be centered around that but a lot of the stuff they've been showing off at treehouse is just a single player and it looks kind of like the single player in you know the first game so i think i I think that they would not want to bank that game on multiplayer online with nintendo as much as they've done things right they would i don't think anyone but nintendo themselves would put that risk out there yeah, I'm kind of hoping that the the multiplayer is just kind of like, you know, you could get some help on collecting, you know, five of these horns or whatever. Because they showed off some of the missions and like some of them were sort of like, uh, sort of like what the side quest in the first game would be. Like, go collect eight of these things from this kind of monster or whatever, you know, like, and I don't know if that's really the side quest in this game or if the main game is made up of these kind of things it wasn't really clear um but yeah they showed off uh this sort of hub i guess the hub world which is like this uh futuristic los angeles but it's kind of weird seeing um like it's this sort of like sci 
yeah, it's a sort of sci-fi game, but then there'd just be these like really like I don't know, like nineties backyards with like houses and white picket fences and stuff you're running around and like street signs and stuff in it. And I mean like I'm sure it all makes sense in the story, but it's kinda it's kinda cool actually to, to see that. But it definitely gives me a different sense from like Xenoblade Chronicles where there was no like there was nothing in that game that sort of pointed towards current America or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the uh, running through the suburbs in Xenoblade Chronicles X totally reminds me of like what Lego City Undercover would have looked like if it was in eight, like like a uh, realistic graphics, just because you do have that segment of the town where you're going through people's backyards and stuff. So for some reason, my brain connects those dots. But um, this trailer that we saw is probably the best we're gonna get. I don't know if we're gonna get too much content after this uh, until the game releases. Probably something to keep the momentum, but I think it's just gonna probably sit there. That said, the trailer was probably the most specific to the story that I've been aware of, and they do explain that, you know, I guess people had to flee Earth, and that's why their ship, which had another, you know, another L.A. on it, uh, crashes, and then that's why, that's how you get, you know, other Los Angeles on uh, on this alien planet. So they kind of explain it a little bit, but it's, uh, I agree that it's definitely a weird and kind of interesting juxtaposition. It's definitely, I think, cool, though, that they're doing like a follow up to Xenoblade Chronicles, but it, it really looks like a different, you know, it's its own thing. It's not, it's, this is not like a lazy sequel that you just do the same thing over again, you know? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, they're, they're amping things up, they're changing things up in every way. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't heard more from, the game now that it's been out in Japan for about a month and a half or two months. Is it, it's like out? Yeah. Out? It came out at the end of April. Oh, I, yeah, I they, had no idea. They're just localizing it. So, um, it got uh, a nine, nine, eight, eight in Famitsu. So pretty, pretty solid scores. And, yeah. uh, yeah, but I guess, I guess there's not that much news that comes across the, uh, the way like that. People don't go translating every Japanese article or anything, but I did think that we'd see more, of people diving into the Japanese version, but maybe the general... Uh, I'm okay with not seeing so much, though. <laughs> oh, me too. I mean, I kind of gave up on trying to avoid the trailers because I'm not going to remember a lot of the details anyway. And to me, it's all just a big, blurry mess of awesomeness, and I'm I'm still going to be amazed and, and shocked by the graphics and story and all that. I, it, that's not too worrying. The story specifics are, but uh, but I've been viewing what I can, uh, but I'm not going to seek out, you know, and I don't really want to know more than I know now. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, it looked like a lot of the same sort of type of gameplay too, though. I mean, like at its core, which I think is good, you know, it's got the whole, like you're running around these worlds and there's all these different creatures and you could sort of engage them or not. And some are way higher level than you and you have to avoid them and, you know, it has sort of night day thing too going on again. Mm-hmm. Like you know, certain creatures come out at night, and then when it changes the day, or you know, they'll leave, and others come out. You know, there was um, mentioned with that on the treehouse was something that and I didn't quite catch it. I should have went back to look at it, but I think that now you can set your own travel beacons. So before, you know, that you'd hit a, a landmark, then you could just go there. But it sounds like now you can actually set them yourself. 
at least maybe maybe it's a mix of both. But that would be pretty nice. Yeah. So you can go to an exact spot in the middle of a field, even if there isn't one that they've made for you. So that, yeah. that should be pretty cool. I'm hoping like just the, the, the two screen thing is gonna help moving around faster and keep keeping track of quests and all that. I mean, you would think that that second screen that's perfect for that. So. Right. And if I had to find a complaint about Xenoblade Chronicles, it might have been that going into the menus all the time for things like that was a little bit cumbersome. I wouldn't doubt if a couple hours were just spent in menus playing that game total. So um, having that on the on the Wii U tab is going to be great. Yeah. I, I did kind of see that, like, the, the female armor hasn't gotten much better. <laughs> like, it's still, like, the men have, like, this full armor, and the female armor have, like, big parts cut out of their chest to show their chests off. And it's like, all right, why don't they actually get real armor? <laughs> I don't know. But I guess that's just uh, the the way they do it over there. The way the, uh, I don't know if you've seen these videos, the way the main character runs is kind of goofy too. She like shakes her hips back and forth. I'm like, nobody runs like that. That's just strange, but you know, they, know, they know who they're trying to appeal to with that. So Sure, sure. But th- you know, that brings up a good point though. I kind of noticed that when I was watching stuff today, but is the main character then female? Uh, I think it, it seems to be from, what I've seen in both the, uh, well, I don't know, because the, the tree, the, the treehouse stuff, it was definitely, in fact, I think all three of the characters were female that you were playing with in the treehouse stuff. So, um, if that's the main character, yeah, it's a female, but I'm not sure they didn't necessarily specify if this was like the person the story revolves around or. Mm-hmm. I thought this was another, like, create your own character. I thought, like, you created the protagonist. Well, yeah, I was thinking that, too, though. I mean, because of the online part, and so, like, online games often have more of, like, do-your-own-main-character type thing. So and I remember when we saw this game before, they were doing extensively covering, like, you know, oh, you can change the hair and shape the face and all that, but... All that said, it is true. I feel like we keep seeing the same character that certainly looks to be the protagonist. So I don't know. It might be like a like a Mass Effect type thing where sure. even okay, though yeah. you can pick male or female and different body types and hair and everything, they still have like the the mascot always gotcha. looks a certain way. That would explain it. All I know it's going to be good. I I hope so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm the kind of person who's skeptical of anything until I have my hands on it, but it looks good. So I can I can let some of that skepticism go now that Famitsu has given it strong scores. That's yeah. a highly respected uh, publish or publishment or what do you guys publish yeah, you, publication think? What do you guys think of the music you've heard so far? I think I think it's like I good. It. I think it's good. It's very epic. But, like, I haven't heard any, like, slow, beautiful type songs yet, which Xenoblade also had a lot of, so I'm kind of... Because, you know, like, they switched the, the musician. Yeah. I, f- I forget who did the first game. I, I think it was this uh, woman composer did a lot of songs in the first game, but she was busy or something, so they had to get the composer from uh, the Attack on Titan series. They should have got you to do it. 
no, no. Did they see the shapes of gray? Result? Apparently they didn't uh, see those reviews, but... Uh, Seriously. No, yeah, they switched composure. Like, Attack on Titan has awesome music, but it's always this really, like, epic stuff. And, like, from this trailer, it's all out, like, epic music. I think there's a lot of good epic music, so I don't think that's not going to be there, but I'm just wondering, like, this, is there going to be slow piano stuff? And, like, you know, like, there's the beautiful be. type stuff. Yeah, there's going to be. I mean, they're not going to lose that aspect. That's part of the franchise. Even though the composer did such a great job, I know that they're not going to lose that because they lost the composer. I just can't imagine there being some sort of fountain and then, you know, just some sort of like epic music for the fountain you're standing in. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so they're going to find some sort of way. Will it be like as serene as Xenoblade Chronicles soundtrack is? I hope so. And I don't know. But uh, but it's got to be there somewhere. Yeah. I did, they actually, in, during Treehouse, they talked about a area they didn't show off, which I kind of wish they did because it sounded like the type of thing that might be more mellow. They were talking about some area with all this, like, uh, like glowing plants and all this stuff. And, and when it, yeah, the bioluminescent stuff. Yeah, when night comes, it gets super beautiful. And, and I'm like, like that kind of reminds me of, uh, what was it, the marshes in the first game that night, yep. like, yes. It had like the best music so and good. looked yeah. so good. The mountain had a pretty good night time too, for that sort of thing. Yeah, but uh, but the swamp, yeah, that had like a lot of yep. almost like um, fireflies. Like there were just random lights throughout, and the, it took on a whole different personality. Yep, which yeah. is actually one of the best parts of that game. You know, it's just experiencing the world in both you know, night and day. So. Well, uh, Andrew, we are kind of at the end of our podcast episode tonight. Do you have any final thoughts about any anything from the show? Anything from E3? Um, I I think the Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi crossover is a hilarious idea. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I think so too. It's, I, I feel like someone should make a meme with uh, who, who's that guy that's like, so you like this and you're this, oh, you put yeah. some more of this, you know? Oh like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you like Mario and your Mario RPGs, so we put a Mario in your Mario. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, um, we were talking to Grant about it, and I'm pretty sure he was the one who said that it's kind of like, or was it you, Joe, who said that it was a Back to the Future? Oh, uh, Grant, yeah. yeah. It's almost like Back to the Future in the sense that these, you know, parallel universes are combining together like they are. And uh, in the trailer, we saw them mix, meeting each other and mixing each other and um, mixing each other, whatever that means. So... It's pretty cool. I'm excited. And that also... Oh, no, that that was a 2016 title. But for you, it's tomorrow, because there's no sense of time. <laughs> Might so, as well be. Yeah, so let us know tomorrow how it is. But uh, very cool. So uh, I guess we'll wrap this up. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us on the show. No problem. Much appreciated. Uh, you know, one last question. was your Is your overall impression of E3 positive more positive more negative or just in the middle flat out in the middle i i don't think this is the best e3 and like nintendo it's definitely not their best and the other companies i just was like completely disconnected from i don't even own any of those other systems right now so i sort of didn't even bother following them that much other than you know someone said last guardian was shown off so i went and looked up the trailer but um, I didn't actually watch any of their conference or anything. So 
I don't know. I tried to kind of look into some of the other games people were talking about, like that one uh, with where the girls like fighting the metal dinosaurs and stuff beyond Horizon, Horizon. or something. Yeah, something, like something like that. It looked cool, but it's kind of like I don't know. Like that, like it would take more for me to get really excited about the stuff that's coming out. Um, but like I said, I have like eight million games here that I still need to play, so I kind of don't even care. Like. If only like three great games come out this year, then that's like more than enough for me. So. All right, that's a good attitude to have because I think there are a lot of gems there for people. They just got to look. There's there's gonna be there's there's a lot of stuff, and there's gonna be you know I'm sure some indie stuff is gonna pop up that I didn't even know existed. That's gonna be really good, and you know I want to mention one thing actually. I was gonna do this in the outro, but. Uh, today it was announced that Rusty from SteamWorld Dig is going to be playable in Mutant Mud Super Challenge mm-hmm. as a playable character, and he looks really cool as a pixel. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of indie. There's the, there's those all those indie demos you can play right now. So, yeah, I, if if you're only going to play one demo, I would say play. I forget what's called Rive R I V E. Okay. I had never heard of this game before, and I just, but I download every single demo. I play them all. It's like a sort of like 2D shoot 'em up, but it's like super fast paced and you, you turn from a ship into a tank and then you're going like underwater and there's trains coming by that you have to dodge. It's just, it's like, to, it's like if you're at all into shoot 'em ups, this, this one looks really good. So I'm intrigued. Well, that's a great recommendation and a great way to end the show. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on another Negative World podcast. Uh, I encourage all the listeners. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for listening. And I encourage you all to check out the future thread for this episode, which you can find over at negativeworld.org. Uh, check us out on Twitter, where things are a little bit more active than normal, too, with all the announcements and everything and the discussions that are going on at the site. And for us, you can just find us at, uh, at negative underscore world. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, just got to search for negativeworld.org. And again, just uh, keep listening, keep playing games, and keep coming back. All See right. you next time. See ya. Bye. Ojalá que tenía mejores gráficos.